historians will mark the end of one era and mark the beginning of another. T-E-T-C. The end times continue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the end times continue. Recording on this Listeners. the 30th of October. Yeah, listeners will be listening on Halloween. So happy yes, Halloween. yes, they will. I'm Dino. You are? I am Ace, and we have a special guest with us, uh, Tedward. How yes. are you? Why is it Tedward? Why could it be like, uh, what are other people's? I don't even know what they say. <laughs> Ted Jake Finney? called you Tedward earlier today. Yeah, I, it's yeah. <laughs> that did happen. But I mean, I was right, as always. Okay. <laughs> so. Oh, oh right. God. Jesus. Well, it's a it's it's ha- tomorrow's Halloween. Are you guys ready to get all the yeah. fentanyl candy and Oh yeah, you know? I'm ready to steal people's candy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be working, yeah. so my plan is if I get off early, no off chance, I'm probably just going to play Animal Crossing or something. There you go. There yeah. you go. I don't know. I uh you I... mind like time travel back to Halloween? No, wait, no. <laughs> tomorrow is Halloween, so I don't even yeah. have to do that shit. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. No, tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow is Halloween. We're good. The uh, I, I'm doing. I'm, what, I, what I was trying to do was get the binder just right so that my fentanyl smarties would 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 mm-hmm. like stick together in the right shape. It never. It didn't right. come together, so I guess I'm just not going to do that this year. I'll have to do that yeah, yeah. later on. Yeah, you have to make sure, you know, you have to go to the right houses. Not everyone is going to be giving out the high quality right. stuff. Right, so yeah. Know, like, it's very important before you actually go trick-or-treating to mark up which houses are actually the high quality ones, and then you can go take their fentanyl. The fuck are y'all talking about? I just put them all in a big old fucking uh, one of those milk dud boxes and just dump oh. those in the kid's candy. Oh, there you oh, go. Oh, okay. You, know, you can yeah. fit like 300 fentanyl tablets in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're trying way too hard. You're right. Are gonna know the difference. They're gonna see milk dud and be like, "All right, milk, cool." You're right. I tried to make. I tried to fashion a fentanyl razor blade so I could put it in a candy apple. Didn't work either. Oh right. Yeah, fentanyl's yeah. still brutal. It's not <laughs> anything or sticking to anybody's uh, gums. Yeah. Oh I guess yeah. That's the thing. I wonder. Not I wonder like, if uh, tortillas. <laughs> like tortilla chips. I wonder yeah. if the drug distribution and like razor blade distribution in Halloween candy has really been taking a hit. Like it, it, we used to be a country where you could do that type of stuff, and now everyone's against it. I mean, it yeah. just kind of do ruins it if you're like whole. a fucking dude who is uh, planting that stuff in his kids' candy boxes, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> For the clout. Yeah. Hey, hey, son, eat that Snickers right there. It looks real good. Yeah, that's gonna be tasty. I had to take all your candy away, and, and it disappeared inexplicably because there were razor blades in it. Sorry, mm. kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the laser blade is going displ- to disappear one way or another. <laughs> Golly, this is dark. In oh, in celebration of Halloween, um, <laughs> I came across a uh, I came across a song that is it's a classic Halloween song sung by Bobby Brown and Mike Tyson, and I I am just I, I'm so excited to share this with you all because um, it's great. It's it's a great, wonderful yeah. little Halloween song, and we should listen to it together as a as a as a podcast family. Absolutely. Flash, 
sound like on discord <laughs> yes yeah for people who don't know that was actually ted singing monster match <laughs> for the, our very own show yeah no it reminds me of this there there's a christmas song that uh-huh. they play on the radio every year where this guy's uh i don't even remember what it is but the the dude that's singing it sounds obviously drunk <laughs> but it's a Christmas song that they always you know play. How like little that narrows it down. <laughs> it narrows it down enough for me. Okay. That's all hear, that matters. I hear drunk guys singing Christmas songs every Christmas. Usually, but it's whenever me. it's on the radio and it's syndicated. Mm. It's like, yeah, oh, this is a Listeners, classic Christmas song. The dude just sounds fucking blasted. I love it. Which Christmas song? That yes, is please, because I, I have no idea. I have no I'd idea. Like, this is the thing. If you gave me like ten minutes, I could probably find what song it is. <laughs> Uh, but let's let's pass that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a uh, th- this is this video is hilarious. This is from Kimmel. It was Bobby Brown and Mike Tyson performing the Monster Mash, and uh, the the account that posted this video and brought it to my attention was Shitty Song of the Week. It's a really funny podcast. But they have a uh, holy shit! I closed it. Nope, I've got it back. Okay, so there the tweet that accompanied the video. Read, since Halloween is tomorrow, let's all remember that time Mike Tyson sang the Monster Mash like a tone-deaf toddler with an extra chromosome. What a delightful piece of shit this is. <laughs> it's it's a of... Halloween classic. It is! Yeah. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm yeah, going to upload it to on, my NAS. I'm, oh, like, yeah. I'm never going to listen to that song again. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a tradition <laughs> now. For yeah. y'all. <laughs> no, okay, this is going to go nationwide. You're going to walk in TJ Maxx and it's going to be playing uh, you know, Halloween. It's, yeah. Yeah. And then, like, M- Mariah Carey's going to do her rendition and she's going to yeah. get you know, fucking plastered on that. Yeah. They're going to remix the two songs together. <laughs> one of the greatest songs ever sold. Yeah. That's yeah. what we need. Or Holy shit. It's not going to be a good song. We need to make an album of drunk Uncle Holiday song covers where it's just or, like a drunk guy singing holiday songs. What if we got celebrities that already record songs, like, you know, uh, vocalists, I think is what they call them nowadays. Yeah, they've been called that. Vocalist drunk and got them to sing classic songs. Dude, I'm pretty sure you just described like every Tom Waits album. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Tom Waits. Um, I wonder if you could do something like, what if you did something like... uh, Who's the guy that sung Feliz Navidad? What would that sound like, drunk? Oh, God. Yeah. That would be wonderful. That would, yeah. Drunk, drunk, please. No. Yeah, that, that song. Foreign languages anyway, so it would be about the same as any other drunk song. <laughs> it's all different. Um, there's a, so that song made me laugh, and I wanted to play it. I am so, so happy um, that, that I found that right before we were recording. Yeah, like good. I found that right before we started uh, right before I open the room to start recording. Um, okay, so, all right, it's it's a Halloween episode. We're, we're, we want to talk about. I was actually going to ask. What's up? Oh, good. Sorry. I'm over. 
No, I was actually going to kind of just start off and I'm, I'm going to like ask you guys, um, like, I, I guess we'll start with Ted. Uh, Ted, you know, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit uh, because we know who you are, but other people might not. Yes, so, others right. may not. Uh, for people that don't know who I am, I am Ted. Yeah. That's it. Wonderful. Yeah, he's Ted. Yeah. <laughs> and you, uh, yeah, you do a podcast. I uh, do have a podcast. I guess hour. we can call it a podcast, even though we do like three episodes a year at this point. That's I'm always, ex- I'm always excited to see one when one falls into the feed. I'm always excited to see yeah. it. Yeah, I do have a podcast called The Gaslight Hour. We talk, uh, I'd say two thirds of our podcast episodes have been heavily influenced by the works of John Keel, either because we've been doing like mm-hmm. explicit book reviews on them explicit in the the meaning that we're actually doing Erotic. book reviews on oh. <laughs> john keel's book right not yeah not like explicit nude reviews oh, on okay. john keel okay thank you for correcting I me i, I don't I think he had like a nudist career but he did have he did write for men's magazines we never reviewed any of that stuff mm, okay uh, because it's it's off color for our podcast oh yeah uh so that's what we do mostly talking about m- I guess ufology more than anything else, but we do have a lot of paranormal stuff because there's crossover between ufology, paranormal, mm-hmm. and like cryptozoology. So if you're into yeah. weird shit and you you're not necessarily content with uh, mainstream explanations on any of those uh, categories, like the paranormal being ghosts, if you're not content with that, you might like our podcast, or if you're not content with UFOs being extraterrestrial spaceships, you might like ours. Or uh, if you don't necessarily think Bigfoot is a blood and bones creature, blood and flesh creature, what what do they say? Flesh and bone? Flesh, flesh and, and bone? bone? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, that doesn't have connotations. Uh, but <laughs> if, if you're not content with mainstream theories in what weird stuff is or paranormal stuff is you might like our podcast but uh just keep in mind we do have a heavy bend on covering john keel stuff for a lot of our episodes one of my favorite stuff every now and then one of my favorite episodes that you guys did oh it's great one of my favorite episodes that you guys did that you guys did actually and i think i listened to this one like two or three times was the holy blood holy grail episode Oh, yeah, that was a so I wasn't actually in that one. That was a all decks. Wait, was I in that? You was were I in it, dude. That episode, you were in I it. Were. I was drunk. You were that absolutely in it. It was all three it. of you. Um, yeah, holy shit. It's uh, yeah, I looked at the numbers. That was one of our best, most downloaded episodes. I love that episode. Yeah. That is one of my favorite episodes. That That's yeah, it's all three of you were there, which always makes it fun. I, I like it when you're all three there, and uh. And that that episode is just it's weirdly mind boggling. Like I really enjoy it. <laughs> that that yeah, one is so, so good. So Joe and Dex, they really they're big history buffs and I'm not. Like if it doesn't specifically uh fall into the category of like ufology, I don't really care about history mm-hmm. at all. Right. Uh, I used to, but I don't anymore. But they're real big in a like especially the medieval history, I think, and Joe's more spread out, but uh, so that episode worked out for them. I had, yeah, we just need to get a Coors Light sponsorship is all I'm going to say. So that we can do more of we'll hit uh, you content that they're interested buddies. in. <laughs> I know you guys, you, I know you guys did a Men in Black episode too. That one is, that was really That good. one's good. Yeah. yeah Which was, I love, uh, I love the Men in Black phenomenon. That's, that is one of my yeah. favorite. Every now and then I'll go re-download the last pod episode on Men in Black. It's years old at this point. 
But every now and then I'll go re-download that and listen to it. It's the last the, the Men in Black phenomenon is one of the weirdest phenomenon that that I've ever yeah. heard of. Yeah, it uh specifically the Men in Black stuff kind of as we know it today is the Men in Black phenomenon started in I'd say maybe the late forties or early fifties. Mm-hmm. Uh it didn't really get a definition until mid fifties when uh what's his face? Uh Gray Barker actually wrote a book on the phenomenon and he kind of gave it that connotation of men in black, the three men in black specifically. Yeah. Uh, and then it really gained traction because I think, uh, who was it? Another guy who had an experience who actually uh, ran the International Flying Saucer Bureau, which was not as big an organization as it sounds. Uh, Albert Pender, <laughs> you know, uh, up in Massachusetts, I think. Uh, he. Bridgeport, Massachusetts, I think. Is so he trying he, to? Is he, he trying to compete with Mufon? No, this was before Mufon. Mufon. This was is more, pre-Mufon. I think, yeah, this is pre-Mufon. I think Mufon didn't really come up to being until like the '60s or something like that. The oh, IFLS wow. was, or the International Flying Saucer Bureau, that's IFSB, uh, started in the '60s or '50s, early '50s, by Albert Bender, and his idea was, all right, we're gonna start local and expand to other states and have coverage in all the states and then it became to where there were like you know a couple people in other countries also participating it was probably an organization of less than a thousand people when it was all said and done but the international gave it this big huge uh weight to it it's it's yeah there's a there are many (laughs) i come from out in west texas there's an airport out there that calls itself an international airport you cannot get an international flight out of that airport. It doesn't exist. <laughs> which is not why, even in Mexico. <laughs> no, which is why the great Robert Pratt, uh, radio host out there, uh, when I was a kid, the great Robert Pratt used to call it the Preston Smith Intergalactic Airport. <laughs> yeah. All right. Because <laughs> it made it sound even bigger. I'm sorry. It's you like, just reminded uh, me so- of that. Yeah, I, I'm going to get derailed, too, because I remember the first time I ever went to Colorado, there was the uh, the space uh, space center, or not the space center, spaceport or something like that. Oh, yes. Denver. Yeah. Like when I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, how often do we fucking fly to space? Good job, Colorado. <laughs> uh, but anyways, so this guy made this uh, International Flying Saucer Bureau, and he had experiences with strange people that were dressed in black uh which may or may not have been quote unquote extraterrestrials mm-hmm. yeah and then he eventually like dissolved the entire group saying like throwing out newsletters like i've already solved this problem i'm going to speak on it at this so and so a time and then he never did uh and that's part of the not joke but part of the lore yeah uh gray barker kind of put this thing into a loudspeaker and just published it in his own publishing thing and it took off because there were UFO groups that already existed in the 1950s that were not part of the IFSB who took interest in it. And then the interest in UFOs in general in the 1950s was just taking off. Right. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that phenomenon, it interests me so much because it reminds me of gang stalking. And gang that, stalking is something that also fascinates me. That's um, kind of what it is. And it's always been a thing, but Men in Black was a term that stuck in, stuck in the 1950s. 50s and before that there were other types of it happening just there weren't any terms that stuck right well the gang stalking thing fascinates me 
in part because of my fascination with this is just linking autism in part because of my fascination with the the church of scientology and the gang stalking that they actually engage mm, in right. um and and the the when 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 all that stuff came out about the church of scientology uh and, and especially when it really exploded when leah remini made her show um the the the, the all of the gang stalking stuff People always thought of gang stalking as like an expression of schizophrenia, but to learn that there's a very large organization that actually engages in it is it's it's a terrifying idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And the men in black thing is really interesting, too, because like, you know, often I think the 50s, if you talk about like, you know, there's obviously, you know, different types of like cultural sides to like different eras. But the 50s in general really had this focus on like extraterrestrial life. And a lot of weirdness surrounding that from like governmental organizations uh, and the men in black, I think, is like just a, a big example of that. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about you bringing up the Church of Scientology having its own gang stalking. Uh, one of the things that we've been trying to get at with the podcast, at least a little bit, is so the men in black is a phenomenon that you could describe as schizophrenic or like a real experience somebody has that's just unexplainable. Mm -hmm. Or something else, maybe the government is getting involved in trying to silence people, which there's all kinds of theories on it. None of them can really be proved or disproved. Cause I know the one that the a of lot day, of people hook into is the idea that like these are uh, agents um, that are like like from the government. There's some kind of agent that that follows people around who know too much. I know there's another theory that they're actually products of the alien human hybrid experiments <laughs> yeah uh, it, it gets real weird when you get into the, like the 80s or 90s That's yeah why, like my cutoff point for this stuff is usually like somewhere in the 80s yeah uh for mm -hmm. ufology but the interesting thing is you've got all these competing theories the, at the end of the day the government's never going to admit that they're harassing people no. whether no. or not they really are Wait, and uh, which we know they do there are defense attorneys around here who do too good a job and the cops will not stop fucking with them. Like, like if, if there's a if there's a defense attorney around here who does too good a job, there you can be this this happens to people. You get followed by the cops. They're just waiting on you to fuck up while you're driving, and and uh, just have an excuse to pull you over, any excuse, just to inconvenience you. Like like the, the government's engaged in this shit all the time. Yeah. Are you just it, venting right now? Yeah. <laughs> you, you drive five. Yeah. Are you are you, you, uh, you drive, you, talking you drive about personal experience? experience? Do you drive six over? <laughs> no, I just you, I you know. like I have this super thing. I I just can't talk about it, but I want to vent. My friend, it's my friend. It's my friend. It's my friend. Followed by the police. Yeah, I have, have eight hundred and twenty-four <laughs> tickets saying that I'm going six miles an hour over. I'm just saying that to illustrate the idea that I mean, if they put their minds yeah. to it, they could absolutely do shit like that. Oh yeah, like oh, yeah. But most of the ones that are actually on record, uh, the one that I know specifically, they did a documentary called Mirage Men on, mm -hmm. and I can never remember the dude's name that they uh, essentially just psychologically abused to the point of the him going to a psych ward. Yeah, uh, that's what which is against what... him. Like he was a technologist and he was into technology and that mm -hmm. kind of thing uh, which is which is what the church of scientology the church of scientology actively does that they try to drive people yeah. insane yeah 
Or we're saying AC. I'm sorry. Case is the most. Oh no, sorry. I was just gonna ask Ted. Do you think that's the most verifiable case? And I'm using verifiable in, a, in like kind of a loose sense here. But like, which one do you? Th- which one of these reported like men in black so, cases do you think has the most validity? The the pro well. The problem it's with hard, men in black it, stuff yeah. in general is like most of specifically men in black stuff, none of that mm-hmm. stuff is verifiable other than anime. right. Just like anything right. that's in ufology. Most yeah. ufological encounters or incidents or reports are just anecdotes. Right. That's all they are. Yeah. Just like ghosts or Bigfoot or Loch Ness right. Monster, really anything in this field. It's mostly anecdotes. Yeah. I, I guess I'll reframe the question. Like, in, in your opinion, what is your opinion on the men in black? Like, what do you think that phenomenon mm-hmm. is specifically? If you think uh, it's at all. Specifically the men in black, I think that it's it's this it's it's really hard to explain in a few words. All right, so Without getting too deep in the shit, because uh, we don't have <laughs> we'll shelf get there eventually. The podcast, we have a microphone. <laughs> yeah. So there's something that is, uh, I don't know if sentience the right word for it, but is some sort of consciousness uh, that mm-hmm. wants to guide human behavior in a certain direction. And, and this is in black, reference to John Keel's Eighth Tower, correct? Is that correct? Loosely, because okay. he has specific beliefs on it. And uh, as much as I love John Keel's work and how much it's influenced me, I don't necessarily take his beliefs as mine. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Uh, because his are more, not necessarily agnostic, but he has his own very specific opinions on it. Okay. Uh, but there's a control system theory that Jacques Vallée developed uh, because he was in contact with this guy that did uh, kinesthetics. Is that the word? Kinetics? That, you know, the fucking stuff where you study body movement and shit like that? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, can, can, uh, yeah. yeah, something like that. Kinesiology, I know, is what like Kinesiology, sports trainers know. Like I don't know. It's or, something like that. He was like that or uh, just a uh, near neuroscience not a i don't want to say neuroscientist because that's a blanket term but let's just call him a neuroscientist uh so he he studied this uh idea that not jacques valet but the william powers another guy that was an associate of john or jacques valet uh he studied this idea that so the brain has man this is a lot Right. Dump, you dump it on us. Just do it. Every time I get like to an idea, it's like, all right, there's other ideas I have to explain to make this idea make sense. Yeah, start wherever you want. All right. So where we're at is uh Jacques Flay and William Powers were both in this organization that wasn't really an organization. It was a group of uh people that were learned men, mostly scientists and doctors in the 1960s and 70s called the Invisible College. Uh, this is a real thing that Jacques Vallée talked about heavily in his journals that he wrote. And uh, their whole thing was just investigating UFOs. And they were taking UFOs seriously because the government was investigating UFOs. The UFO or the government knew that UFOs were a thing that uh, people were worried about. And also the Russians might be worried about or the Russians might even be using as a way to investigate secret projects the U.S. government might be taking place in or taking part in or conducting. Uh, Anyways, Jacques Vallée, William Powers, Invisible College. Uh, William Powers was a a neuroscientist, we'll say that. And he, at the time, 
there were two prevailing theories, nature and nurture in psychology. Uh, mm -hmm. Nature being that nature predetermines how people behave. Right. Nurture uh, basically saying, all right, the way that people are raised determines how they function the rest of their life or how they believe mm -hmm. or how they behave. Right. Uh, and William Powers looked at both of these and said, you know, there's pros and cons to both of these. I don't necessarily believe either of them, but... Uh, you can study the stimuli of things from the external environment, how they mm -hmm. go into a person's uh, senses, different senses, sure, and how their reactions react to it and how they come up with a reaction for it. Mm -hmm. uh, basically saying, all right, so the human brain isn't a computer per se. It is a thing that reacts to external stimuli. So there, there is a nature and nurture, but both of them are right and wrong at the same time for different reasons. There's no determinism. Right. People have choice, uh, right. but there are also uh, reflexes that people have that they don't have control over. Right. So essentially, it's if you've ever studied advanced statistics, which most people probably haven't, uh, there's, there's a field called forecasting, which is really complicated, but it's not. Uh, it's taking a lot of variables out of an equation so that you can look at how there is cycles and different kind of things put into an equation that you can just essentially remove to have a better idea of where things are going. Yeah, where the pattern is. Yeah, and he kind of did this with reaction and action and how people process information. Uh, he called it the control theory of perception. So people perceive things or things are perceived because uh, they either sense it by their seeing, their hearing, their touch, whatever senses they happen to experience a thing. Uh, it goes through a whole process and then they act. Mm -hmm. Jean or Jacques Kiel or Jacques Vallée rather. Man, too many words. <laughs> too many names. Too many, too many Johns. <laughs> uh, Jacques Vallée, like he was really interested in this theory. And in William Power's book, The Control Theory of Perception, uh, it's the short term for it. It's, it's an academic text, so it's more words than that. Uh, at Towards the end, he talked about higher level control systems. And all the control system is, all right, you get banged on the knee. So an impulse enters the or receptors, the pain receptors on your knee, impulses into your nervous system, and then goes into your brain, your brain accepts that thing and then reacts to it so you might kick if you've got a reflex mm -hmm. for it or if you see a thing out in the environment it enters the you know your eyes and gets filtered into your cones and rods and things like that and then it becomes an image and then yeah. your brain allows you to react on that information that's a very low level control system uh, a higher level would be something like the government doing things to control people, which right. is pretty easy uh, explanation would be something like taxes. Uh, tax can control people in certain ways. Regulations mm -hmm. can control people in certain ways. Uh, I think me and Dean talked on Twitter about how uh, the wheelbase size, because of government regulation on uh, mileage, yep, on vehicle mileage, basically mm -hmm. the people in vehicle manufacturers make wheelbases wider so that they could avoid the very stringent mileage requirements. Yeah. So it's now the larger, bigger. yep. That's why trucks are so fucking big now. 
uh it's it's not necessary at all it's because they make them larger so that the mileage restrictions are less stringent yeah. no dean they make them so that they can run over children that's yeah that's what i keep hearing yeah <laughs> yeah so a lower level control system would be like impulses and reflexes mm -hmm. and senses and things like that and they're sure, very they basic like the first control uh system all the way up to like the third control system and those are more like limited to the human body and I forget at what point they actually exit the human container and go on to like the family and stuff. But it seems like at some point you would have a you would have like a transition where you have like lizard brain stuff like a reflex, right? Like the yeah. like the reflex on your knee. And then it would go higher and higher to the point where it's like, well, now you're consciously making a choice based on information that you have. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. And then at some so point it exits the individual and becomes a more like... Uh, almost a mob psychology type of exercise where you're yeah, dealing it with goes from like the individual parts of your body like really down to the actual uh synapses all the way up to the whole human body and how you make choices based on the information that enters you and that you feedback onto the environment because humans are kind of this feedback device they accept information and feedback based on the information that they're given and you said you said the brain's is. not a computer earlier which it's not, no, it's not but you can frame things in terms of inputs and outputs where you have yeah, like you can frame things on in terms of a fucking mcdonald's too right. <laughs> uh, i mean if you're a computer scientist you're going to look at the human uh the human situation as a computer you're going to be like all right the brain really acts like a computer because right. it's doing all these computations uh, somebody that's a manager of the McDonald's might be like, well, yeah, but also if you think about it, the, the human shits and we take out trash, the human produces just like we make cheeseburgers and the McDonald's serves just like, uh, you know, we, we, we give stuff to people and they give yeah. us money. It's a taken, you know, you can really frame it as any a, way depending right, on your profession. Right. I'm just saying like, as, like, as an illustration likes... for what you're saying, the idea that like, like information goes in, reactions come out and what it filters yeah. through happens at different levels is yeah. the sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so at, like the lower levels, it's contained to the human. It goes up to like the family unit and then it goes up to maybe like a tribal unit or a social unit or a government unit. And then eventually he talks about like theoretical higher levels and, I think what William Powers was talking about in this was potentially gods and stuff like that. Uh, whenever he was talking about the theoretical control systems mm -hmm. that were at a very high level of not just manipulating or controlling or having input and output on feedback of everything that was happening on a global scale that people were doing. Uh, it was more like this overarching thing that can control yeah. governments and societies. And and that's where it kind of gets into like more spooky territory a little bit. Uh, because in, in his, it's it's very academic, right? Because he's writing as an academic, right? Uh, person. But the implications are kind of. Uh, John Hill looks at it and he says, "Okay, so I don't want to exclude or include God uh, because he's French. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that's, <laughs> <the reason. laughs> that's a good enough reason." <laughs> yeah. So he's French. It's fine. Uh, so he's looking at this, he's, he's looking at all the stuff that he's accumulated because he's already done a lot of statistics in the 1960s on ufology to kind of try to get some kind of information out of UFO reports or patterns out of it's the forecasting thing. Mm. He's trying to find information that's repeatable 
that he can do something with. He can extrapolate it and maybe even predict UFO waves, UFO patterns, what days or weeks or months or times of the year that they're going to happen, what locations, waves are going to happen, how often are they going to happen, where they're going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he did a lot of that already. And then when the Invisible College formed, he went, met William Powers and he came across the control theory of perception, he kind of adapted the higher level control systems into his own theory, which he was already working on, which was uh, UFOs aren't necessarily an extraterrestrial thing because he had already right. been introduced to all these ideas, like uh, mostly the fairy lore in Europe, where ufology and UFO encounters follow a lot with the the fairy encounters and uh I guess what was it mostly Scottish lore but a lot yeah. of mm-hmm. French lore and there's a lot of, of the the will-o'-wisps and and stuff like yeah. and stuff like that yeah. yeah and even like uh Mexico they had their little people that they did they had a uh, lore about and I those guess are called in, French people too yeah, <laughs> those are Canadians <laughs> the whole thing expands like there's there's the weird sort of subgenre of this stuff that's like gnome theory like people who actually yeah. have theories about gnomes yeah. and their living and, situation. Yeah, they always speak French. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still an upgrade. Never mind, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> I, I promised uh, somebody I wouldn't talk about that on the podcast. What? <laughs> it's not important. Okay. Uh, so Jacques Vallée was really interested in these ideas that there were already all kinds of lore existing in the world that were mm-hmm. so similar to extraterrestrial encounters not just ufo sightings but extraterrestrial encounters and mind you by the 1960s we didn't have little gray men uh like the uh, grays which are real popular nowadays most of the time it was uh ufo encounters with people that were short they looked like they were asian or italian and it was always Asian or Italian for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that. Is this about uh, the time that, that like the the tall whites come into things, and you get like the build up yeah. into Majestic Twelve think, shit and all that? Well, I think the Nordics were like what would be kind of close to the Nordics came in with uh, what's his? He was a cult leader. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, but. Around the same time, but it wasn't as popular or as reported as like the uh, olive skin, quote unquote, uh, sure. aliens. So he comes across uh, William Powers' idea of the control theory, and he looks at the fairy lore, and he kind of comes up with this. He doesn't word it specifically as cultural tracking, but it's it's this idea that this is a phenomenon, specifically a phenomenon, not a actual flesh and blood problem that has been happening Mm -hmm. for millennia since pretty much humans have existed uh, where humans exist and they progress and have their own folklore and mythology and encounters with strange things they can't explain and those things make themselves or end up getting in the lore and influencing culture they have real influences in culture people act on that information whether Mm -hmm. or not it's real Right. Uh, And they make decisions based on it. So there's a pattern where a new mythology comes up, gets into the lore of uh, society, kind of like a creepypasta. And then some people believe it. Some people say that they have real experiences. There's no real way to verify it, but it has real 
influences on different people and kind of affects people in different ways. You say kind of so, like a creepypasta. It's just, it's Slenderman. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that's essentially that. Yeah. It's the Slenderman. Like the, this is a, this is a fake thing that was done for Photoshop contest and it's led to like real murders. <laughs> like, yeah, real things have actually happened based upon this, this fake story. That's where like egregore theory and like, uh, tulpas come in to an mm -hmm. extent, but yep. where Jacques Vallée was looking at it is whether or not this is real things that people are experiencing. Uh, it's influencing culture. So there right. might be a thing underlying all of this, making but people believe that they're having real. these experiences. So it's like that ninth or tenth level control system, uh, putting information out or experiences out into culture so that they have to process them. They have the trauma, they experience it, mm -hmm. and then they put that trauma back into the culture in the form of mythology and folklore and stuff like that and then people have the experience of knowing that the folklore exists because it's entertainment value or uh, at least you know they some people might believe it and act upon it it forces uh, people to synthesize it, it forces people to synthesize this fiction into their daily lives to to an extent yeah. superstition essentially so whether or not it's actually happening it's coming into society as a form of superstition and then people are reacting on that putting out their own feedback back into the environment, the environment's mm -hmm. taking it and putting, processing it and re-influencing culture a new way, depending on how they develop from that. Okay. Uh, so the idea is, then would be like from the highest, from a high level, the idea then would be that something or, or some, uh, not necessarily, I want to say intelligence, but I mean that in a very broad way. Um, yeah. uses this to, in order to direct the flow of culture and 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 yeah, thus the flow exactly. of people it's the velocity of culture like where culture is going uh, and then where culture continues to go it puts out information back into whatever this thing is that thing receives the information and then acts upon it puts new information back into the culture so that it redirects the tra trajectory of it back to wherever it needs to go quote unquote yeah mm -hmm. I don't know if need is the best where it wants it to go, I guess. Yeah. Because uh, it used to be just like, it's really hard to parse where society needed to go whenever it was like, you know, a fucking ball of light falling on a hill. And <laughs> right. a bunch of French people, for some reason, they had <laughs> fucking French. Right on the hill, and they're like, "That's real weird." And then this thing just fucking runs out of the light into the woods, and they're like, "That guy ran away from the thing on the hill. Why is he afraid of the light?" Right. Really cool. And then the hill fucking explodes, and then they can't find the guy that ran into the woods because he was, I don't know, an alien, I guess, according to whoever the fuck is writing the book. <laughs> uh, but I mean that kind of stuff. I don't know yeah. why they always got to be French. But anyways, <laughs> it seems it seems like the French just love this shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's man. I really wanted to dunk on Italians, and I'm dunking on French. <laughs> and I ate French toast sticks for breakfast. There you go. That it's, that was the uh, French influencing you. There's a man. French cosmological influence that was directing you to eat those nothing uh, is earlier. spontaneous holy shit <laughs> rock bar was wrong <laughs> very cool 
so man, that's a scary thought about a French cosmological source, the source of all things French, yeah. just out there in the ether directing yeah. you. Uh, excuse me, we call it the Freedom Cosmological Force. Thank you very much. Oh yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> oh god. Oh, that's that is that's a fascinating idea. I hadn't heard that. It seems it seems like it kind of links with the um like it, it you can you can present it in a a very um like agnostic kind of way like a very secular way <clears throat> but yeah. it, it it you could call that god or 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 <laughs> like that's one of god's projects you could you could call it a um <clears throat> i mean the new age people would say that that's like the universal will that we're all like tapped into yeah. man um that kind when of thing you could call it like God's will, or whatever you want to call it, if you're religious. Uh, I've got a friend who's a Protestant, and I talk to him about this stuff every now and then. Like, we'll talk for like two or three hours and just about weird shit. Uh, and his take on it is, you know, it's really fascinating that uh, that this is a thing that you think is maybe agnostic or like a third party. It's not necessarily God or the devil. Uh, when he thinks it's actually the devil because the whole progression of society, uh, it, it, it kind of moves towards distraction from God, which Ooh, that's a good theory. That whatever this thing is, it has to be demonic by nature because it's always distracting from God. That, that's, that is an interesting yeah. thing. Those, those two strains of, of Protestant thought where you have the sort of, um, the, the, I I I grew up in Protestant churches in both of these kinds of churches, which is why it's kind of fascinating to see the difference between the two. The sort of grace message Protestants, where everything is very, um, it's 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 all sort of based on this idea of grace, and it's very love driven and stuff like that. And then you have uh, kind of what you're describing, which is like uh, on guard. Uh, not necessarily fire and brimstone, but just constantly aware of some uh satanic force in the world that that yeah. has power. Um, it's more so he knows that my standpoint on all of this because uh he's he kind of knows my stance on the eighth tower is this whatever the control system is, it's progressing us towards a technological civilization. Which whether or not that's good or bad, I don't really care. Like, I'm an egoist at the end of the day. Like, if it's good for me, it might be good. Who knows? I'll yeah. find out in fucking when I die. And really, uh, from, from an egoist perspective, too, you, you're free to reject that progression if you felt like it. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. you, if you wanted to learn how to do stuff without relying on those those systems, you can totally do that. Yeah. But, I mean, it's you can do it if you're, you know, wealthy. Uh, but besides the point. <laughs> oh, sure. Yes. <laughs> there are roadblocks. <laughs> So my take on this whole idea of uh, whatever the control theory of perception is or the, the higher level control mm -hmm. theory that Jacques Vallée talked about where it was almost this occult force directing human action towards a certain end and it keeps getting modified as new information comes out. Uh, that kind of goes into what? how long have we been recording? Because I need, <laughs> to, I need to know a time so that I can dunk on myself. Uh, probably almost an hour shy of it. Okay, cool. So, uh, Scott, if you're listening, it's been an entire <laughs> hour before I mentioned the eighth tower by John A. Keel. <laughs> uh, so this is the control theory of perception kind of, I use it as this 
wheelbase for since we're talking about you know oversized vehicles this wheelbase <laughs> for how john john keel shockfully john keel too many j's john keel talks about the eighth tower which he talks about it more as a metaphor and mm-hmm. if you've ever read anything that was by charles fort specifically you know the eighth tower is a lot of uh hey i'm gonna give you a lot of evidence for scientificating the paranormal since science is opposed to it uh but also i'm gonna go ahead and give my own batshit theory on what's going on <laughs> that i don't necessarily believe and <laughs> if you believe it it's not on me because you're dumb <laughs> his theory was uh there was back who knows thousands hundreds of thousands millions of years uh some civilization built this thing because they were directed by another influence on the planet because the planet is haunted if you pause for uh, okay hold on a second <laughs> <laughs> is okay um i already we need to this. take that clip i already <laughs> love this great. because i do love the previous civilization theory like yeah. there's a like i i love that idea that and i i don't know mm-hmm. if i believe it but i love the idea that there was a previous advanced civilization that exists uh, that existed before we somehow went back to the caves and had to come yeah. back out. Yeah. Like you know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I I really really like that theory and I don't know why. I just love it. <laughs> it's a fun theory and there are a lot of people that still play with it uh, a lot and mm-hmm. I don't know how much John Keel believed in it. I think he was just so invested in it in the like late 60s and the 70s that he just really wanted to include it into his uh, batshit theory, the Eighth Tower, which is one of my favorite metaphors for whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically the, the world is haunted by a thing. The Earth is haunted by a thing uh, because people exist there, right? So there are people that were a civilization who knows how long ago. Uh, they built this tower that basically they relegated all government power or governing power and everything that they didn't want to worry about, they basically gave to this entity that they constrained within some device that existed in the super spectrum, which is just a place that we can't see or hear or perceive because, you know, their technology was so advanced. Pocket dimension AI. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially (laughs) they built an AI hundreds of thousands of years ago so that they don't have to deal with the uh, trivialities of daily life and the government and all that shit. Uh, and it was working great, I guess, until it didn't, and now they're gone. But the AI is still out there somewhere that we can't see because it exists in the super spectrum, which is somewhere between, you know, it's it's outside our visible light spectrum and auditory <laughs> spectrum. And yeah. I guess, uh, is there a taste spectrum? That There must be. A mouthfeel spectrum? <laughs> Everything is a spectrum if you try yeah. hard enough. Uh, so it's all outside of, us, of all for that. For example, so spectrum. <laughs> We don't know. We don't know where it is. Yeah. Uh, so it exists and it's still operating. It's still doing like its procedural duties, and it's senile, which is why you get things like Bigfoot knocking the guy's hat off in the middle of right. uh, his you know daily walk. Oh, okay. And disappearing back into the bushes. Right. Or yes. the Loch Ness monster dipping its head up in the Loch Ness, and then. Uh, I guess some Irish guy yelling at you while he's drunk saying, hey, I'm 
fucking Irish and I'm drunk or whatever they say. <laughs> sure. And then he disappears. You look back and yeah. he's gone. He's just you look like, back yeah. and then he's even more Irish for some reason. He's even more Irish. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, just weird <laughs> shit. Yeah. Know, so this is kind of like you know, or the metal guy in fucking uh, Pascagoula, Louisiana, yeah. which is one of the greatest uh, sightings, in my opinion. But you get all this. Can you, this can funny you describe stuff, that like, sighting real quick? Uh, in brief, two guys were fishing, I believe, in mm -hmm. Pascagoula, Mississippi. I think it was Mississippi, not Louisiana, uh, on a swamp, and then uh, they saw this guy that looked like he was wrapped in uh, like a like aluminum foil and he had claws for hands and uh that's about it that's awesome and they got abducted and there were actual recordings of them being detained by the police for some reason i don't remember the whole of it but it, it's real weird wrapped that's in cool. aluminum foil like like in a skin tight situation or like the old yeah. school like nordic yeah. alien foil well, me, jumpsuits get a pascagoula uh alien thing for you real quick because that yeah, sounds like because that this, sounds uh, almost like the Nordic jumpsuits, the the shiny jumpsuits that the Nords were described as wearing. Yeah, let me see if I can get a thing. I, I really like this theory though, because I, I I it's it's interesting because it's kind of like you know the the god has gone senile type thing where it's just like random shit is now happening. Uh, it, it's, it's just it's, like inexplainably. The idea yeah, that on the, the idea that all the weird shit is the result of a rampant AI. In the yeah. in oh. in like the the cosmological dimension, whatever dimension that is, and it's you, affecting I, these things is is well, fascinating. You know about... dimension. <clears throat> I just mean that as, as in know... like it's separate from us in a in the sense yeah. that we can't sense it or see it, but it kind yeah. of exists in the same place. Right. Yeah, it's the same instance, but two different like lay layers. I don't want to say dimensions. It's like if two hands existed in the same place i don't know yeah yeah oh that does look creepy i'll send this i'll send this to dean yeah that looks um, yeah just look up pascagoula mississippi alien and you'll know what i'm talking about it's uh it's like the thing yeah. with most of these most of the sightings there's not a whole lot of depth to them you could read into them all you want but there's not uh fucking hey kubrick wrote this thing about how the indians got colonized or some shit in uh mm -hmm. the, the stephen king's uh, whatever the hotel movie was, I don't remember. The Shining. The Shining. Uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah there, it's not deep reading. It really isn't. At the yeah. end of the day, you yeah. can. There this... is an argument for like Jungian symbology and all right. this stuff, but it kind and of ends where your symbology of... starts. Right. This honestly reminded me of. I, I've only read like a little bit, so I'm not an expert on it. But um, Ion Jung's book. Is that book? Have you? Do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Okay. Yeah. It, some of it reminded me of that a little bit. But um, it's interesting when you're talking about like, you know, they created this, you know, uh, hyper sophisticated, like AI God type thing. And yeah. now it's gone crazy and it's influencing us. It really reminded me of and I'm pretty sure it, this, this thought experiment is probably where it came from. Um, are you guys familiar with Roko's Basilisk? Yeah, this is way later. I okay, have. Yes. Oh, no, I know. It's way out in like 1976, dude. Yeah, I know. Yeah. About, like. If you read uh, the part where he actually talks about the Eighth Tower, it, ta it really reads like he's describing an AI. Right, right. Yeah, so, no, why I brought it up is that it sounds like that's what they based Roko's Basilisk off of. That's what I mean. You know what I mean? Like, that uh, it sounds very interesting. similar. Yeah. Yeah. But so, 
John Keel came up with this uh, the Eighth Tower idea uh, more to shit on science than anything else, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I think he was like at one point in that book, it really seemed like he was trying to scientificate, if that's even a word, uh, the paranormal. And then he comes up with that, which is the most Fordian thing anybody's written besides Charles Fort. <laughs> Uh, regardless of what anybody says, they're just fucking wrong. They haven't actually, they don't know Charles Fort, I guess. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what people read. <laughs> uh, but there's this idea that this AI-like AI thing was built in a plane of existence that overlaps ours, but is imperceivable to us. And it still exists, but mm -hmm. it's extremely dilapidated and senile, so it does weird shit. Uh, but it's also, if you take Jacques Vallée's control theory or control system theory, uh, perhaps it still exists and it's influencing human culture, knowing that its time is running out, uh, making people advance technologically to create a replacement for it. Because if it's constrained to some sort of device and the device is degrading, then humans need to create its own device to replace it. Right, right now, our technology is really uh, limited to like, you know, fucking digital stuff, I guess. Sure. Uh, right. For some reason. And did he use this also to try to explain like why there was like there seemed to be technological advancements that happened really fast in small periods of time? Did he try uh, to tie that in at all? To an extent, there's always the guy that had a dream. And uh -huh. in the dream, he made this wild discovery that he experimented with. <laughs> in the not dreaming state and that it turned mm -hmm. out to be useful uh, right so there's always that and then there's always the person that had a contact with a ufo specifically not an extraterrestrial like not a humanoid or whatever right where this beam of light shined into their head and then all of a sudden their <laughs> iq shot up fucking two thousand points just because right. light i guess um, <laughs> Actually, Ted, speaking of that, can you describe the difference between extraterrestrials and ultraterrestrials for people? Yeah. So most people that are talking about ultraterrestrials, in my opinion, sorry, I'm vaping, so <laughs> choking right now. No, That's me too. <laughs> uh, so most people that are talking about extraterrestrials <clears throat> are talking about uh, these things that came from outer space, not necessarily outer right. space, but like in a planet way out yonder, out fucking past... Uh, Zeta Riculi for some reason because it's past uh what's the seven sisters thing over there? Yeah, it's fucking dumb. But anyways, so the thing is they fly their what is it? A saw it looks like two plates. You know, it's like, like a saucer. Like somebody's, like, you know, yeah. just floating playing airplane with their child, but with two plates overlap. Yeah. <laughs> all the way light hundreds of millions of light years through space to planet Earth. Uh, and then they land and then they ask people dumb questions like what time cycle are you on? Like it's even fucking relevant hundreds of millions of light years away from whatever fucking time cycle yeah. they're on over in Zeta Reticuli over there. Yes. Yeah. So that's the problem. So there's there's a lot of problems I have with extraterrestrial hypothesis. It's the, the idea that there are nuts and bolts spacecrafts from way out wherever some guy gets his kicks at uh, Route 66 over by the Loves because that's where the lot lizards hang out. Uh, and he's like, yeah, so there's these gray aliens that came and said uh, they're real. 
in flesh and blood and you know i guess he has blood he's got some kind of proof he doesn't have proof he's fucking on some shit or maybe not i don't know uh but he extraterrestrials are the idea that things come from outer space and visit us and right. those are aliens not, and they ask you what what's the weather like today? Right? and sometimes <laughs> they crash because they're so technologically advanced that they can fly billions of light years across space through all that fucking junk and rocks and planets and suns and black holes and all that shit but somehow whenever they enter the at- earth's atmosphere they can't stay stable for fucking yeah then they crash on this minutes. metal planet is, yeah. <laughs> like... which is relatively sane compared to you know fucking jupiter or something i'd heard a theory that tried to explain that away that that that's per- that particular aspect of this where you have such an advanced civilization that that is uh that is from a another star system you have this super advanced civilization that's able to build these machines and do all these things. One of the one of the ways that somebody tried to explain this away, and I can't remember where I heard this, but it was that these people are tourists. Like these are the idiots of the <laughs> of the aliens. And no, they're no, they're just the ones that get banished. Like they're the outcasts. They're like, no, you gotta go to the ghetto, dude. You're going to Earth. So like you these people get out are like like the like the way that Americans behave uh, when uh you know, on a trip to another country and, you know, spitting <laughs> yeah. out their gum on the street and being a nuisance. Very much like that, except it's these people are just the idiots of the alien civilization and Earth is for some reason a tourist destination. And I that's mean, why I they can, crash. <laughs> I can freebase whatever drug you want to give me and I could probably come up with the same conclusion. <laughs> that's why I not. I mean, there is the argument that, like, you get on the road and there's all those fucking people that can't drive. But at the, at the end of the day, no, I'm not freebasing any drugs. That's what I'm saying. It was a, it was, it's, it's probably the most interesting way I've ever heard someone try and explain away the fact yeah. that it doesn't make any goddamn sense that these people would be crashing all the time. Yeah, but like, yeah. 20 years ago, they would be the same people that would be like, yeah, extraterrestrials aren't visiting us. That's science fiction. Exactly. Uh, which I, yeah. I kind of agree with. I, think, I don't think it's like, extraterrestrials either, man. I what? personally no. believe that outside of the Earth, there is no life. Everything in the universe is dead outside of the Earth. And mainly and that's because also nobody has thought. given me any <laughs> evidence to the contrary, because I'm going to play that game when I want to. At the I very least... said it, but there, there was a, the saying that, you know, there are two possibilities. Either there is life outside of or intelligent life outside of Earth, and that's horrifying, or there is no intelligent life outside of Earth, and that is horrifying. <laughs> yeah, both yeah. are very, very. We're scary. fucked either way, so I'm gonna take yeah. no intelligent <laughs> life because at least I know nobody's gonna come and give me like fucking space aids or whatever. They <laughs> <are> <laughs> like Honestly, it, it's to me, it's always seemed like none that's gonna matter. Like if there is yeah. any in, in, an, in an infinite universe. Uh, there might be intelligent life somewhere else, right? You roll the dice enough times, you might end up with it. But mm-hmm. to me, yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, I, but it it's too far away to matter. It's we're th- yeah. we are not contacting that civilization. Right. Yeah, and if they, you know, we do the fucking uh, what's that radio thing that we try to intercept their things with? It's right. Like, uh, uh, remember, they're not important. But anyways, <laughs> so they try to intercept radio waves from outer space because they're like, oh, if we get radio waves, we can communicate with them, even though they're fucking hundreds of millions fucking light years that way over there. I'm right. pointing very just... aggressively up in the air. Yeah, aggressively uh, in a given direction. Yeah, by the time we intercept that and then, you know, 300 years from now, we know what the fuck it means. And then we can send a signal back to them 
in however many fucking hundreds of millions of years it takes them to get it, they're not even going to be on that frequency. No, exactly. In in a vast ocean of nothingness full of radiation, we're expecting to get radio waves. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. Real crackhead energy. Yeah, so that that is uh, for people who didn't know, that would be extraterrestrials, right? Most people know, like when they hear extraterrestrials, yeah. they think of little green men. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. Is uh, intelligent things from outer space? Yeah. I'm like, I want to personally apologize if you believe in extraterrestrials and that we're visited by UFOs. You can believe that. That's cool. If that if that's what you want to believe, I'm an egoist at the end of the day. Anything that's useful for me, I'm gonna believe in. Right. You, whatever. Have fun yeah. over there. Just stay I, so I don't. I don't begrudge <laughs> anybody thinking that. Just like I don't begrudge yeah. the the alternate theory. One of the alternate theories that it's like a that these aren't extraterrestrials. That they're extra dimensional and they exist. They they're they're they, the same they, thing. Yeah. It's, that no, they're no. that they exist in the same it's time and place, but on a different plane of reality. Um, have, have you ever thought about like what a five or a four dimensional uh, being that was clumsy would look like if he was trying to interact in the third dimension? <laughs> some guy's trying to like bake some pasta in a dish, <laughs> but he doesn't have the fucking pot holders. So he like goes to grab it and you see like every frame go in. And then he grabs it, pulls out the oven. The pasta falls, but you see every single frame as he like frantically freaks out because he just brazed his hand. Any, any, any uh, of the infomercials with white people spilling things, just slow that down. Yeah. And it's kind of like a that. dimensional entity right there. <laughs> turns out, turns out the fourth dimension was just being a boomer. <laughs> uh, but we anyways, can sell these so aliens the on Snuggies, I'm telling you. The question so yeah, was like, what the difference between extraterrestrials and ultraterrestrials? Yes. Uh, you get an idea. Extraterrestrials, little gray men, and UFOs coming from other planets. Somewhere out there in 3D space. Uh, ultra terrestrials are a little bit harder to explain. I've said a lot about the control theory and a lot about the Eighth Tower already. And I've said it on a lot of other podcasts if you want more different ways that I've explained it. Because I'm incoherent every time I explain it. <laughs> I'm rarely lucid. Uh, but <laughs> anyways, the idea of the ultra terrestrial is whatever this entity or intelligence or consciousness or whatever it is that's controlling humanity, the eighth tower is the metaphor I like to use, whatever that is, uh, it has the ability to change your thoughts. Like it really has the ability to manipulate anything it has its grasp on to an extent, a reasonable extent. Uh, But it also keeps deniability in check. Like, it doesn't want people to believe that it's a real thing. Okay, so it it wants to stay... It's it's a man behind the curtain, and it wants to stay behind the curtain. Like, it doesn't... Yeah, Yeah. most evidence that has ever been dropped from a UFO has been, like, flyers to the local hookers joint, you know? That kind of shit. Like stuff that could be explained away very easily. Stuff sure. that's extremely terrestrial in origin. Right. Like uh, sand, you know, silicone, shit like that. Computers are not otherworldly. They're fucking, right. you get them at Walmart. That's not otherworldly. <laughs> it's just weird. It's a weird place. It's over there. It stays over there. I don't go there. It depends there. on what Walmart you've been. Yeah, <laughs> none of them. Just no. I've been there. It's not a great place. Uh, that's where I bought uh where I bought Super Smash Bros. I think I don't remember. <laughs> Not a good experience. Anyways, uh, so ultra terrestrials are this 
manifestation by whatever the entity is that I refer to as the eighth tower. It's the they're puppets. They're not sentient. They don't necessarily have an agenda uh, because they're not like they're only there for their own purpose. A uh, way that I like to explain it is you have your own mind in which you navigate the environment. And sometimes there are areas in the environment that pull information out of you so that you can interact with that stuff that's pulled out of you. Uh, and whatever that space in the environment is, is what the ultra-terrestrial becomes, like what it is. Uh, mm -hmm. So somebody would have like a UFO encounter and they would come in contact with humanoids or whatever, right. maybe a Bigfoot, who who, who knows, because right. it's always based on the same what, thing. Kind of what someone is a little bit familiar with already. Yeah. Like, you know, it, something that might uh, jar somebody, but yeah. not give them a heart attack. Right. Like something that is right. within the realm of believability to them. Something you right. may be, you may be not expecting to see, but it, it, it's like something that's familiar enough. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's something that is at least predictable or within the realm of whatever that person considers uh, believable reality. Sure. Uh, because back in the 40s, there were there was kind of a framework for uh, UFOs and space aliens and shit like that before people actually had extraterrestrial experiences. But most of those early experiences, they were with very humanoid to the point where basically they were Italian or Asian, again, for some reason pasta uh, but <laughs> there was always in like a wheat field too so yeah pasta mm. checks out they like grains yeah yeah uh but anyways and they this, this is the good part so they come down in the grain field right in an egg-shaped craft what do you need to make pasta eggs and grain there you oh, go mysterious there you go and what did the government always tell you to eat all the time bread eat a lot of bread uh, grains you got to get yeah. all the grains so that you can uh yeah. It's all coming Die of diabetes or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so the earlier sightings were something that was within the realm of believability. What was what people thought would be sentient life outside of Earth in maybe the 40s or 50s would have been, you know, like us, but from space. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you move on to the 19, late 1950s, the 60s. That's when things get a little bit more alien because at that point people are like, yeah, what if aliens are actually uh, different? Uh, that, that. Shocker. <laughs> shocking yeah and then by the time whitley streber wrote communion you had the most common ufo experience was the grays uh mm -hmm. and then now there's like fucking four thousand ninety six species now that's a resolution something yeah, I, like that I'm yeah there's so the, the big that. it's almost like a go ahead sorry the, I, was, I was actually probably gonna say something very similar the the idea that like okay one of my favorite things is and it's 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 i don't buy it it's bullshit and but i love it because it's so wild all the majestic 12 stuff the idea that there's a uh like that there's a there are warring factions of extraterrestrials fighting over earth for some reason and there's yeah. like a federation of alien species and you're right, there's like thousands of them. Uh, it sounds like it links with like that kind of stuff, that, that what you were saying, yeah. that there's now there's like thousands of species. and mm -hmm. 
And I know you know it's not real, uh, but the MJ-12 stuff was really, it was crafted by a dude, and then the government used it as a way to track who they could trust in UFO organizations. It was like disseminated oh, really? in UFO organizations to see who was the least trustable person. Uh, well, it's, it's really a way to to see where leaks are coming from like so if a federal agent you know they they knew about ufos in say the 80s when mj12 was around it there was give and take but they needed to know who they can give real information with to which was essentially yeah ufos are a thing that's happening because that's all the government's ever been able to prove they're a thing that's happening that's it they're not a threat to the U.S. government. They've had several things by the 1980s where the government has admitted that UFOs exist. It is not a new thing that NASA. I'm mad. Uh, anyways, no, no, I get it. So. I get it. Well, there's also, I mean, there's all the documentation that can't. That's especially yeah. come out of the Navy, um, in yeah. particular. They they had whole offices set up to to track these encounters that yeah. pilots and people were having. Uh, pilots and seamen were having these encounters. And they, they had a whole office that was set up to, like, sift through these encounters and figure out what yeah. they were, try to figure it out. Well, I mean, you had Project uh, you had Project Sign was the first one back in 1947, and then it closed, and then you had Project Grudge in 50, 51, and then it closed within a year. And all this grudge was is uh, the people that made Sign started a bunch of shit saying, oh, well, we've got all these reports and maybe UFOs are from outer space. And Grudge was like, ah, oh, this shit's not from outer space. We're going to prove all this stuff is a lie. Uh, and then they couldn't really do it. So they closed <laughs> that project. And then in 1951, they had the uh, Robertson Committee or whatever, where they had a bunch of scientists come in and watch a bunch of, you know, shitty UFO films that some guy in fucking uh, Al uh, Arkansas maybe uh, filmed. And it was like a bunch of birds or something. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> there were a bunch of reports in the Robertson Committee where they, were, they reviewed them all, and they're like, yeah, so UFOs are, we can't really dismiss them. It's not a confirmation that they exist, but we can't dismiss them. Uh, the real problem with UFOs is there's all these people making UFO interest groups all over the United States, and they might uh, essentially start tracking strange lights in the sky that are actually government projects. Uh, and what if the the Russians find out that that's what they're really doing? So then you get Russian agents infiltrating UFO groups uh, to see where United States secret projects are happening. Mm. It was like an in route for the Reds to come in and find out what kind of where secret projects were happening. Mm. You know, um, I wanted to touch back on something you said before, Ted. That was I think first. you said that. I think you said earlier, like, um, was it the 50s? Like, the Gray Men got real popular, like, sometime around there? Like, uh, that's probably around the 80s. Oh, the 80s. It was okay, around communion. It was, it was oh, around, okay, like, okay. Whitley Strieber's communion because it had that art cover. And that, oh, okay. that art cover yes. that was real freaky just really spooked some people. But, I mean, uh -huh. I remember in the fucking 90s when I was a kid growing up, it was uh, grays and greens for some reason. Yeah, I'm always, always interested in that, how, like that there's almost like this retro causality effect where like you they will put like there'll be some type of media representation of aliens and then people will like think always think back oh yeah that's what all these aliens people reported are uh is these gray men uh, and that's how they always talk yeah, about that, them that, that, that wasn't always thing. the case i mean the 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 one that everybody points to as being the first quote-unquote gray was uh 
who was the the butt sex guy that was British? <laughs> you, uh, you, know how that, you know how little that narrows it down, Ted. Crowley, Crowley oh, yes. was out there uh, summoning demons uh, in yeah. his lavatory or wherever he uh, did it. Yeah, wherever it was quiet, I guess. Uh, and then he summoned this entity called Lamb, and he sketched it out, and looked a lot like a gray, a lot like, mm-hmm. but not necessarily like. If you if you look at it, you can kind of do the the fucking Simon Says thing. Yeah, it's it. well, it's you know a big headed. It's, it's big headed. It's it, got it, human eyes though. It has human eyes, kind of. They're very small slits. In yeah, the and like, mm, face is kind of mm, crushed down. I'm, uh, I pulled up the Lamb sketch. I've seen it, but I I, I love the Lamb sketch yeah because it's so it's just wild like all of the crowley shit is wild but um yeah yeah, and and it's got like this tall brow ridge it's very strange he kind of there's the theory that he put that egregore into the psychosphere so that Uh it can kind of like simmer and eventually rise up to be the most predominant species of aliens because it has to be that because i don't know it sounds (laughs) good in my book uh, but anyways, so what were we talking about? We were talking about the the British dude. Oh, he also summoned the Loch Ness. Apparently, I don't know. Oh, really? I didn't, hear, yeah. I didn't know about it's, this. It's real. He had like a, a a shag shack on Loch Ness, and he did uh, magic there with a K. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Loch when he Ness was doing, monster. yeah, no, he did he did all kinds of. One of the things he would do too, he would like. It seems like he went to places with pre-existing myth. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah he like, probably did. So it's it's one of those kind of things. It's like it's a bit of a chicken and egg thing with some of the Crowley stuff. But the the lamb. It could be argued that he was really doing geomancy a lot of times. Yeah, where he was going to areas that have a certain energy to him because uh, I don't know two rocks across the horizon. Fuck if I know. Well, he he absolutely believed in that shit. He absolutely believed in the ley lines and and not 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 yeah. in those terms, but in that kind of p- places that were loci of magical yeah. energy, if you will. Yeah, it's uh that's something that I want to read more about that I haven't found any good sources on is just ley lines because right. the idea of geography fascinates me. Like mm-hmm. ge- not just. Geography. I'm not autistic. I promise. Probably. I can't. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but the idea that geography specifically has meaning within it, or certain energies that right people can conjure. I don't know if conjure is the right word, but maybe tap into. Kind of how yeah. people do the, uh, well, the whole two pieces of metal and then dig a well the, uh, because yeah. there's not water at the bottom of the for some that person isn't a witch so they're gonna burn the person <laughs> that does dig up water you know that's how that works right <laughs> well as you said you know the planet is haunted so you know it could be possible that some places are more haunted than others uh, yeah well yeah usually when I say the planets I think it's more humans are haunted like yeah. humans are a conduit for right. things happening there's there's life on Earth, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're with the Greenie Weenies, if we weren't here, maybe they keep doing shit. Who knows? But what if they only <laughs> exist for us because we're haunted? Right. I don't yeah. Know. I mean, for, if for I'm uh, dead. For how do I know? Ex- right. Yeah. Exactly. To ex- if this entity out there wants to send out things to alter us, we have to first be here to experience it in the first place, right? So I mean, we have to. Yeah. Depends on what philosophy book you read, I guess. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's yeah. part of it. 
Yeah, but I don't know. I think uh, I personally think that humans like you've Ace has listened to some of my really long format podcasts about philosophy. I don't like philosophy. It gives me a headache uh, because I have to think. I don't like thinking. (laughs) Uh, But there's this idea where that I have where people are haunted and because people are haunted, the things that they do and make may be imbued with some semblance of that haunting in them. Uh, a lot of the ways, so there is the Tulpa theory, which is pretty popular mm-hmm. nowadays, but it's mostly overshadowed by a very uh, lesser known theory. Over, I say it's overshadowed and overpopularized by this egregore theory that is mm-hmm. lesser known. There's not a whole lot of I like theory behind egregores. Some guy wrote a book about egregores a few years ago, and it's it's not based on a lot of information. It's based on all the available information. Um, for right. listeners, can you define egregore and tulpa? They're kind of linked, but yeah. one is so more a, than the a, other. A tulpa is a thought form. It's this idea that you can concentrate enough mental energy to where you form something that is separate from you that has its own sentience. Uh, the example that most people have is there was a uh, lady. I don't know if she was a lady. Uh, it was, you know, fucking British. They have weird names that are sometimes feminine. Uh, that person uh, thought up of this jolly monk and focused on it because she heard this idea of Tulpa and thought, you know, if I make a jolly monk, then he's not going to be bad. He's going to be good because he's jolly. He's a monk. He's all pure and shit. And then it it manifested outside of itself, out of outside of that person after focusing so long on its existence outside of them and became its own entity but a tulpa really only exists to them it's almost i think i've seen it on 4chan described as induced self-induced schizophrenia yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, which that's a that's an easy way to describe it but there's still things like the philip case up in Canada, I think, uh, where they essentially went in and made a place that wasn't haunted haunted by inventing lore, which that is just a tulpa at a higher scale, a larger mm-hmm. scale, like a group tulpa versus like a person tulpa. An egregore is more what a corporation is or a government right. is. Uh, it's It's hard to... A lot of people like to esotericize what an egregore is, but an egregore is a group thought form. It is this thing that definitely must exist outside of the human body. Like the government is a thing that is oppressive and it exists outside of me and it can tax me because it's real and I don't have to pay taxes because I'm an anarchist and it's not going to come after me because it's not real. Well, it's an egregore. It is real. It's outside of you. It's going to like send its agents to you and probably... I don't know, get your taxes from you. <laughs> it's know, a, but... it's like a conceptual, like a, yeah. a, a conceptual thing made manifest by the, the sort of group Working dynamic through. that creates yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is what an egregore is. You can picture a government, you can picture a corporation. A corporation is a good one because they always have meetings like Colts do. Uh, yeah. So they're always like uh-huh. reinforcing the egregore proper. It's right. very much Let's... not to not to go all autistic, but that's exactly what it is. Like the legal fiction that is yeah. a corporation. The reason, like there, there are a lot of places where you have to have, for example, uh, you learn this 
when you're talking about corporations law and the idea of piercing the veil. If you if somebody's trying to get money out of you for something you did under the guise of your corporation, they can pierce the veil and get the money from you personally and not just the corporation. So the idea is if you haven't done enough to prove you believe in the existence of this corporation, for example, having a board, having meetings, having all this stuff, if you haven't done enough to prove that you believe in the existence of this fake thing, then we'll pierce the veil on you more easily because yeah. it's, it's, exactly, it's exactly as you're describing. Yeah, and corporations are to an extent considered like a human person yeah. in the legal yes. status. And if you think about it, what, how, how does a corporation make any decisions? It has to anoint some CEO or whatever. Right. Uh, maybe a CFO, depending on what day of week it is or whether or not it's – never mind. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, but it's got to, like, possess this human entity to act on its behalf. Right. Right. It's got to have cult meetings to empower it and uh, reify its existence on a regular basis. Yes. Yeah. It's like whether sort of like meetings, a mind virus in some yeah. sense that gives people to act that's, in certain that's ways. That's pretty much what an egregory is. Yeah. And I think the popular one nowadays is memes are kind of a an egregore uh, because mm. they they have this this nature of being a thing that definitely exists outside of us and can get mm. in our mind and we can't really let it go. Kind of like we can't unlearn yeah. reading once we know how to read. It's just it's mm -hmm. always there. And then you start looking for it in other places too. Like yeah, other because forms you, and, yeah, yeah, you're you're fucked at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I mean. I don't know how many people haven't looked at a fucking brick wall and thought, is this loss? And <laughs> they're just they're missing out. Yeah. 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 But that's loss what a negative is. It's this, this group, group construct that has actual power in meat space. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and to an extent, that's really what what everything is. What the eighth tower is, the eighth tower is yeah. an egregore, people believe it, but also. Yeah. If the eighth tower is trying to replace itself within the constraints of our current technology because time is running out, what would it do besides get us to invent the internet and AI and put all that on a network where it can contact everybody or as many people as it possibly and can? An egregore is almost recursive on itself to the point where once you know what an egregore is, you can start seeing it in other places and yeah. you're like, oh, that is an egregore. So you're kind of doing the thing. Uh, yeah, it's, but, yeah. <laughs> it's very much a thing where uh, I guess egregores and the paranormal and UFOs and all that, mm -hmm. you can't, you can have a lot of theories on it, but you can't, as much as you're invested in them, you can't hold them as your own. Right. Because uh, as soon as you hold them as your own, the thing happens where suddenly that idea is everywhere. It's not so much that, hey, I came up with this idea and everybody's stealing it. It's more, I've got this idea I've been working on and I want to do a thing on it or explore it more or investigate it more. Uh, and then all of a sudden it's like there's all these strings everywhere begging to be pulled. Uh, the radio is giving you cues that you look into and then it gets you deeper and then you're doing your research and reading a book. And then there's this this passage that you just kind of noticed a little bit more than the other passages right. and that gets you looking into another book or a movie or a Wikipedia yeah. page because you don't no. have the book and it pulls you deeper and deeper. And it just kind of pulls you deeper 
and deeper like it pulls everybody deeper and deeper into whatever bullshit they're on about yeah and synchronicity is so spooky to sometimes like it's... obviously the scientific explanation is obviously if you're thinking about something a lot you're going to be more perceptive to it which fair enough uh but, uh, but there are some things that are just really weird coincidences yeah. uh, that happen that is hard to explain. And in ufology and the paranormal and Bigfoot research, it's not that it's not any different. Uh, when people, when well-known people, uh, and I mean, who knows how many individual or private researchers are having the same problem? They, like John Keel, had its own his own experience where he got delved or he got kind of shipped real deep into his own corner. And then Jacques Vallée had the Malchizedek thing where every time he turned around, there was the word Malchizedek. And uh, there was this person over in San Francisco for some reason, but also he noticed that there was a Malchizedek out in France and they weren't people. They were representatives of a cult, an alien <laughs> cult, the thing he was uh, it, it, yeah. investigating. And it was just there were a lot of coincidences around the thing he was pulling. Yeah, and that's it's one what happens. It's one thing to think about because uh, yeah, if you go too far into this, that's the thing, right? As you said, this is all ultimately unprovable at the end of the day. Uh, so uh, like whatever theories you have, or well, it's I don't it's, know if it's unprovable. I just think is it worth knowing what it is sure. because there might have been people that have already solved this. But are they ever going to share it? Or, very least it can well, be, I mean, so. even if even if they did share it, would we be able to recognize that it's the the solution to the problem? Right, right. right. Yeah. Like, how far down that rabbit hole do you have to go to find the answer to the question? And by that time, is the way that you think about reality even going to track? with normal people right right or or are you or is it not going to click like you cannot recognize a solution even if it's the right solution yeah. so it's it, like if you keep digging on a thing and you 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 can run across the it's like troubleshooting a car for example like if you're trying to troubleshoot the car and you you mess with the thing and you do you're doing all these steps that you know you have to do and then you have to start over and you find out it was the second thing you just did the troubleshooting yeah. wrong well, you know the, what I mean? The problem, there's that problem in the paranormal umbrella field between like ufology and uh, poltergeist. Like there's so many similarities between just UFOs and poltergeist, not to mention Bigfoots and cryptids and all the other, you know, the missing 411. There's all kinds of weird shit happening. And then people investigate it and they get more into it and more into it. And then they start noticing something that they haven't seen anybody else notice because everybody's on about their own bullshit they've got their own theory but mm -hmm. whenever you're researching this and you've got your own theory that you're kind of like building lightly and then all of a sudden it's like everything that you're reading and watching and listening to starts pointing to one specific thing that you kind of had on the back of your mind is like you know a possibility but it's yeah. as if everything every subsequent Thing that you look into to research pushes you more into that mm -hmm. that rabbit hole uh, to the point where you kind of you 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 lose track of what you started looking into in the first place. Like you start looking at UFOs. Why are you looking into you know D and D concepts all of a sudden? Right, because <laughs> D and D concepts are fictional, right? 
Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Or yeah. if in fucking uh, the hell year, they started looking at this weird uh, three-toed goblin thing in Kentucky, <laughs> the Kentucky goblins. Uh, by the third, the second season, the end of that, they were doing some kind of like pan ritual, trying to summon pan at the end of that. <laughs> that has nothing wow. to do with aliens in Kentucky at all. <laughs> but throughout, a... you can watch Hellier, and I know that there's a lot of criticism of Hellier from like some of the in-group, which I respect. Uh, but it's a really good video example of how a group of people were investigating a thing and then there were threads that they kept following and pulling that kept getting narrower and narrower towards a, a very specific destination that took them very far away from right. what they were looking into in the first place. I know connecting shit to other shit yeah. apparently can become very dangerous. However, to make a connection just real quick, the pan ritual thing, Crowley did yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah, I, it, it, that and, was like know, a the, Crowley thing. The yeah. thing that's been bothering me this year is like I've I've watched Hellier years ago, whenever the first two seasons came out, and I was like, that is a really crazy thing because I've had similar things happen to me, not Pan uh, specifically, but like with researching ufology, and it's one of the reasons that I I I just don't like I like it as a a subject, but it does get you your mind uh, really disjointed from everything else yeah to the point where you forget what's important anymore yeah Yeah. Uh, you can do that a lot in in just like yeah it's especially uh pertinent to that but like philosophy in general you can go you can just do some really bad stuff in that that's why you don't read philosophy yeah exactly yeah but anyways so you can get into these things and the hellier stuff was really one of those things where i was like you know i've seen this kind of thing happened with John Keel and Jacques Vallée, and to an extent me, because I do investigate it. I've had my own theories, and I've had plenty of occasions where there's a book that I I wanted because I heard on uh, a, a podcast, or I read uh, a book, and they referenced this other book, so I got the book, and then I just opened it to a random page, and there's a line of text in that random book that was referenced that takes me down a very strange rabbit hole. Uh, and then the Hellier people did the same thing. And then this year it was uh, all of a sudden within the past few months, it was pan a lot. Like everything around me was pan. And I'm like, you know, I'm not even fucking reading shit. And all this be <laughs> is references to pan. Pan fried, pan the two-legged goat man, uh, pan flutes, pan the, everything. The, it's... So it's weird that you say that because I just re-listened to the Crowley series from last pod. Mm-hmm. I had just re-listened to that and they spent uh, they spent a not insignificant amount of time talking about the pan ritual that he did. And that was just a couple like that was last week. <laughs> I listened to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And synchronicity is so weird because like on one hand, you know, as I said before, there's a scientific explanation, but it's really it, it's much creepier to imagine that there's some force actually directing all these things, like stringing all these things together in yeah. some type of like, Or that there's some uh, weird external influence, like like if you yeah. or, or or rather an external influence that is in turn influenced by your consciousness that's causing yes. all of these things to come up. Even like like as a as a like a 
it's like a feedback loop to go back to the idea of feedback. Like a wow, my computer freaked out just a second. Okay. Uh, okay, like that was a, yours, not mine. Okay, yeah, no, good. It was me. Um, like a like a feedback loop where where a thing keeps occurring. You're not even trying to think. It's like don't think of an elephant. You're you're a thing keeps occurring that you're not even thinking about, and then it occurs to you that that keeps occurring, and it 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 builds yeah. from there. Yeah, but the problem is like my problem with it is, I've I've read a lot of people that have done that rabbit hole like following their own rabbit holes where they had synchronicities and they all come up with radically different conclusions and yeah to an extent and i try to keep this theory as distant like all theories but specifically my own theory as distant as possible they're basically coming up with their own theory of everything's because they have to they right. think they have to but they're coming from different angles mm -hmm. looking at the same thing but i'm almost thinking they're going into these rabbit holes to look at a thing that is over there. And that thing is another distraction. So they're getting a perspective, their own perspective, their own looking outside the fishbowl from different angles, each of them. Yeah. Uh, if you think it's, it's a, is crafted specifically for them to look into. It's, it's the Plato's cave thing where it's like, I'm really interested in this horse. I'm studying the horse is just a shadow on the wall. But I'm yeah, I'm really like, interested in that. You know what I mean? And you just yeah, go down that At the same time, hole. it's why is everybody getting drug into these perspectives? Like why why is everybody so determined and they have their own evidence and synchronicities and experiences drug into their own specific uh, cosmology of whatever the situation right. Why should is perfectly fit your like this worldview that you had already. But every right? other person it's almost as if like people are getting uh not they're not having a what is it a rite of passage per se it's almost like they're the sacrifice right like they're like for it, some it, reason they have to do a thing because they think it is the right thing to do but all they're doing is becoming this victim of the situation like they're like they're focusing the hands, yeah like they're focusing it's, away from the picture yeah it's basically to please whatever the eighth whatever the eighth tower entity is whatever the the, the consciousness that the control theory because it's not enough to like say yeah so there's space aliens anymore now <laughs> nowadays people are into this shit and they're looking into it so there's going to be more and more people who have their own synchronicity experiences and then they follow these threads and they kind of go on their own journey of madness uh, not knowing that there's nothing at the end of that. There's right. Just nothing. Well, that's kind of right. what there's that's... going to be something and they're going to get something that satisfies them, but it's not going to be communicable to anybody outside of themselves. I think that's what happened with own... Alex Jones in particular with his extra or extra dimensional, I guess, concept of be. aliens. It's like, because when he describes it, I don't listen to Alex Jones all that often, but I like to turn him on every now and then because it's hilarious. Uh, but I think one of the things that happened with him, he was when he's on that Rogan episode and he's talking about all this stuff that makes him believe in this extra dimensional sort of alien idea. Uh, it, it, it sounds like exactly what you're describing. If you, if you were to place him a timeline, it sounds exactly like following this rabbit hole to this conclusion. Yeah. Um, and following these synchronicities, like it's, I think he describes like a family member that worked in aerospace or something and had s some experience or whatever. Like it, it's all these syn 
synchronicities that that lead him down this rabbit hole to come to this conclusion. Yeah, and my problem with the UFO field for the past, you know, fucking, I don't know, five years since I've started getting into it and since I've been podcasting is I, I wanted to focus originally on the history of it and then kind of morphed into, you know, this is just more of a John Keel fan podcast by me uh, at the detriment of Joe and Dex. Uh, and then we did some other stuff outside of that, which was cool. But uh, whenever the UFO field for the past probably 10 years has just been nuts and bolts guys coming up with the most batshit past life regression shit they could possibly come up with. Uh, and then outside of that, the people that are really interested in it, they're all just getting into these rabbit holes. Just, And I, I'm wondering how many thousands of people that are into ufology or just the paranormal or whatever the other is trying to get to the bottom of it. They're all in their own rabbit holes. They're being influenced by all of these things, but they're in their own rabbit holes. And I think one of the things that's been really hard for me to want to look more into anything paranormal is I recognize that there is this uh, cultural tracking phenomenon where there's always going to be something new. And I've been stuck at, all right, so what is next? Because we've had aliens, we've had fairies, we've had Bigfoot, we've had Loch Ness. Now we got creepy pastas and all that shit. And people are going out and I guess strangling people for Slender Man so that he uh, <laughs> makes them their sex slave or something like that. Whatever yes. they're doing. Uh, there, there's the evolution of the phenomenon into uh, different forms of technology, whatever we're using. So what is post-creepypasta or post-ufology? Uh, because ufology is still around, post-experience. Uh, and I think the... all it really is, what is post-all of that, is what is already happening now where everybody's going down into their own rabbit hole of madness Yeah, and thinking, it's... you know... I am right because I I've been led on this synchronous synchronicity journey down yeah. this, you know, 10 book tour of madness and my 400 Wikipedia hyperlinks that led me to the conclusion <laughs> right. that who knows, maybe actually this stuff is all bullshit. There's a, it's possible. I think I, you describing this is making me think though, if you put enough monkeys at a typewriter or at typewriters, they'll eventually write Shakespeare, right? So yeah. on, on a long enough timeline, a bunch of people chasing these weird rabbit holes, somebody comes across something that's legitimate. You know what I mean? Uh, I personally don't think that that's possible. Why is that? And the reason is, is because the, the rabbit holes themselves are crafted they're uh, fiction tailored right yeah they're they exist mm. within the person's own symbolic cosmology right so like it only they, communicates to them through like that when you study this stuff if you happen i don't want to say it like this but it's gonna come out this way if you are in contact or if the other thing whatever this thing is is in contact with you it's pulling from your own personal uh symbolic cosmology like anything that's symbolic to you or has meaning to you it's going to be pulling that information out to make it meaningful to you uh because what do people think is the most important thing in the world themselves right so it, it, if they start recognizing things that are important to them or meaningful to them in the things that they're reading and they start following those 
threads, they're going to continue to follow those threads. So that makes all sense. Of these rabbit holes are tailored to distract you from whatever's really going on with it, which is why, on one hand, I'm really fascinated by the paranormal, uh, but I don't know how to approach it anymore because mm -hmm. anytime I study it, it's really, really, really easy to get pulled in to those rabbit holes. Right. Like, because at, on one hand, you might know that what, there's nothing at the end of that. You might know that. Like, I, I know this is bullshit, but I kind of want to see where it goes because it's going to make its right. own cool mythology for me and yeah. and make me feel like I'm participating in whatever's going on with the paranormal. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're being used. You're just being used so that you're not looking into whatever's actually happening. And the problem is, mm -hmm. how do you right. look into what's actually happening? Right. Where do you, would you even start to and know in if, the first place? If this is something that adapts to the information that people put out, if... If the dominant theory post people's own personal uh, symbolic cosmology, you know, their shit, uh, those experiences that they have researching it, if those are the new meta of the paranormal, uh, mm -hmm. what's post that? Is it, oh, people realizing that that's actually just another aspect of the phenomena, those meta journeys that people are having inside their own heads, mm -hmm. that the other is playing with you? If it's all subjective, yeah, it's all subjectively motivated. Yeah. In this weird way. Like it's yeah, so, whatever the other is it pulls out of you because the easiest thing for you to uh to really go in after a conclusion is wanting to know that whatever you come up with is right. And is if it's something that feeds to your biases or feeds to something that's specifically meaning to you, it makes you feel important. Right. Which is a problem. And it it also makes sense that like this entity would have to speak through what you already know as a person, right? Your yeah. own values and everything like that, or else it wouldn't really be able to effectively communicate. So it has to speak through that filter. Yeah. That's, that's the problem with anything paranormal right now for me. It's right. like, what, what I can touch stuff, but should I like, <laughs> right. it's great yeah. to look into, but at what point am I going to get dragged back into that shit? Yeah. It's a, no, it's I, a, I totally get that. Yeah. It's a kind of a difficult thing. It's almost like, it, it's almost like if you're a person who's just as an example, if you're a person who's like studying world religions, for example, and if you get super fixated on, on, on one of these things, you end up joining a religion or whatever, and you were just studying it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But you end up, it, something about it hooks, hooks into you and you end up following that path. Yeah. I wonder if it's just misunderstanding. Is, is there a certain point at which it's like something's trying to be discovered or trying to be understood and people just aren't hearing it right? I, I don't personally think that whatever this is wants to be understood. I think from the more primitive interactions that people have had with it everything points to it wants to prove that it doesn't exist that's why mm. it never leaves evidence and if it does leave evidence it's extremely mundane things yeah oh i see very so it, explainable it creates these little 
offshoots to almost distract from its own yeah. existence. Like it creates these little, these threads, these never ending synchronicities exactly. and threads that go nowhere because they, it doesn't, it wants people to go off into a pointless search that will lead ultimately nowhere. Exactly. Um, look, or always just, look, it's a magician trick. Or always just looking people in the wrong get spot. at like physical evidence. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, they don't submit it because it's just normal shit. It's like right. garbage. Right. It's like stuff that you can get out of a fucking dumpster. Right. I see. Yes. Yes. And, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this theory uh, uh, essentially that, um, like extraterrestrials, cryptids, these are all coming from the same source? If it, it, I'm using yeah. it loosely, but from the from this entity, this eighth tower entity. Yeah, that's what. And it's, that's what the ultraterrestrials yeah. are. It's the Bigfoot, right. the UFOs, the ultraterrestrials, right. the. I see, and that's Loch Ness its motive. Ghost essentially is to distract. From. Uh, or uh, motive is a strong term. Motive is a strong term. I don't want to um, say like I personally believe that there's no rhyme or reason to the ultra terrestrials themselves. They're just the thing trying to interact with us, mm-hmm. and it can't necessarily do that. Uh, my extremely religious Protestant friend would argue that all of this is 100% pure distraction, which I mm-hmm. think that there's plenty of evidence to support his claim. Like he's a pretty sure. smart guy, and when he ta- hears me talk about it, it's like, yeah, this really sounds like it's just one big orchestrated distraction, designed to keep people looking in the wrong directions. Exactly, and 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 to of keep course, them distracted and looking away from God. Right. That's what he that does. exactly. I was about to say that that would be, of course, the conclusion from that perspective would be that it's designed to keep you away from God. Yeah, which he might be right. Who knows? Could be. I don't know. But it's it is a fascinating thing. Yeah. That, that idea yeah. that that idea that this is all a it almost seems like a it it almost seems like it almost seems like par- like the paranormal kind of study if you will has developed to the point that now there's a meta narrative that almost makes the thing itself pointless you know what I mean like the, this this idea that people are digging into you're digging into Loch Ness, you're digging into Bigfoot, you're digging into aliens, you're digging into all this other stuff, um, all these phenomena, and, 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 and then you develop, there's a, there's a, there's this, there's this meta-narrative that, that, that creates connective tissue between these seemingly disparate things, and the meta-narrative explains it to the extent that it's like, so there's really no point. (laughs) Uh, not really. It's more... So before, say, like the 1960s, everybody thought ghosts were ghosts, aliens were aliens. Right. Uh, Bigfoot was a flesh and blood, uncategorized primate. Uh, The Loch Ness was a dinosaur that never died somehow or just kept reproducing in Loch Ness, which doesn't have a sufficient food source for it to even exist. Uh, Past maybe, I don't know, four months. Who knows? I'm just making up numbers just like statisticians do. Uh, But... (laughs) There were these own separate theories, and then around the 60s, people started looking at all the similarities between all these things, and that kind of became the meta. Is like, oh, these are uh, these are cryptid groups over here, and these are uh, UFO groups over here, and these are uh, ghost hunters over here. Uh, And there were people looking at all those and saying, well, there's a lot of similarities, so maybe we can come up with some kind of umbrella thing for it. And a lot of times, it ended up being that UFOs were the the fulcrum of it it was oh yeah the, it was the, always the alien based yeah it, it was, was always alien the UFOs, alien human hybrid project has led to the bigfoot like that was the ufos were the 
the center of attention because they were the easiest avenue or conduit to connect Bigfoots to ghosts, right? Because it's really hard mm -hmm. to connect a Bigfoot to a ghost uh, unless somehow, uh, if you're like a poltergeist guy, you might say a Bigfoot is just a primate ghost that's uh, re playing it's it's like it's like a record from a rock or something and people are just right. coming into this geographic it's really fucking dumb <laughs> go into it. uh but the ufos was just an easy way to connect okay so there's a lot of bigfoot sightings around ufo sightings when people report ufo sightings there's also an increase in bigfoot sightings also uh you might notice that when there's an increase in ufo sightings there's an increase in poltergeist sightings but right. it's really hard to connect an increase in Bigfoot sightings with an increase in poltergeist sightings. Mm. But there's also similarities between how Bigfoot might be within an area and have so many sightings within two days and then disappear forever. And it's uh, and it's easily and UFOs. It's easily explained, or rather, I guess unexplained, when the answer is days aliens, because it's like because yeah. the, the, the the answer then becomes. We don't know how they do it, but it's aliens. You know what I mean? Right. It's just, and there. I mean, even the nuts and bolts people, there are plenty, there were plenty of those, you know, fucking during Art Bell's lifetime, uh, whenever he was later in his radio career, where people would call in and they thought Bigfoot was just a type of alien. Right. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there was definitely, even whenever I was a kid, right. So I'd go to the public library and check out three books. I'd check out one on Bigfoot. I'd check out one on UFOs and I'd check out one on, uh, like the Loch Ness monster or ghost or something like that, they were all on the same shelf. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're... Kid, they were all on the same shelf. <laughs> you say that, and now I'm thinking about yeah. When I was a kid, and I, you would read something about Bigfoot or something like that, and it would always have the addendum at the end of the description where it said possibly of extraterrestrial origin. Like that was <laughs> well, that was a thing that was in even, everything. That's not even really what I'm getting at. It's more things have changed because those already exist in the public consciousness uh -huh. people believe in most people if you talk to them about aliens right they think oh yeah a thing from another planet i believe that there's got to be that because the universe is so huge you hear the same fucking thing every time oh the universe is so huge you'd be dumb to think that you know there's no intelligent life out there somewhere blah 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 yeah you fucking choke on that dick bud <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> but i mean you hear that so many times and it's no not to deride them or anything like that but whenever i was a kid nobody said that shit except for like maybe carl sagan right or fucking somebody on tv uh because the ufo book was in the paranormal section that bookshelf mm. that i'd get my books from it wasn't in you know weird stuff or ufos or unexplained phenomenon it was in the paranormal section the ufo books right. were just in the paranormal section yeah That's how ufos it was in the and 90s. aliens have almost like been normalized out of yeah. that category now yeah ufos like now are like guess. believable things that probably yeah. really exist because i heard it on right. youtube right yeah yeah and a lot of people hooked into the what was being described uh, during the time as like soft disclosure uh under like yeah. the Trump administration where all those naval records come out Oof. and all this other stuff. <laughs> um, Ted, do you, is there a specific spot or location where most UFO sightings happen, like a specific type of area um, that you know of? Or I'm not sure anymore. Uh, going off of most of the material that I read coming from the sixties, that was statistical. It was uh, rural areas. Yes. Okay, like yeah, places yeah. where people just weren't. Some of the more, awesome. some of the more high profile stuff, it's always in a woods. Yeah, like well, I mean, yeah. 
outside of like the Phoenix Lights or something like that, where it happened over Phoenix, most <laughs> of the UFO sightings, they had weren't in big cities, which right. if you took the scientific explanation of, well, I, this what? is uh, extraterrestrial and it's just happen chance that people out in bumfuck nowhere happen to see it. Uh, but if you spread the distribution across the entire, you know, atmosphere and all mm. the land and geographical areas, then people in big cities should be seeing them too. And that's the old <laughs> argument about why, uh, you know, UFOs aren't real because uh, science says so. But anyways, that was the old argument was uh -huh. uh, if you, there should be a spread across geographical land masses for UFOs based on the right. number of sightings. Uh, but historically, they happen outside of city limits. Yeah. Where right. there aren't a lot of people. And they generally and, happen at night because that's the easiest time to see lights in the sky, as right. it turns out, unless it's the sun. Uh, and then maybe Wednesdays. There was the Wednesday phenomenon for a really long time. Oh, I didn't know Most sightings were, I wouldn't say most. I'd say, like, there was, on average, you know, five more sightings on a Wednesday than any other day of the week. Mm, weird. And then there was a huge dip on Thursday and Friday, uh, which is weird. And it was always around yeah. 8 to 10. Hmm. But, you know. And also, um, who knows? getting a little bit into cryptids, uh, we, we touched on Bigfoot a little bit. Uh, but isn't, um, don't, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's been my understanding that uh, most cryptid sightings, or a lot of them, have been around national parks. Is that correct? I wouldn't be surprised that fits in with uh, in that the old area. <laughs> that fits in with the old uh, pro UFOs are real statistics because mm -hmm. it's not uh, a populated area. Yep. Yeah. That because, but I mean, like, um, you could also look at the idea of we were talking about ley lines earlier and yeah, uh, land having its own. I don't know what to describe it as essence? like its own. Yeah, I guess essence or its own uh, sentience to an extent. Mm -hmm. Uh, why are national parks national parks besides the fact that the government made them that way? Exactly, it's always a good question, isn't it? Why and are it's always most a... of the missing four one one victims in national parks? Why is isn't that, that weird? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, why do all these people go into national parks and just disappear without a trace? Yeah. It's curious, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why aren't the deer in the national park free? Why can't I take them? Why can't I have four hundred forty eight <laughs> deer right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually why I became an anarchist is because I want to take the deer out of the national parks and the fucking pets won't let me. You and everybody else is just, you know, denying the fact until now. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. I am the uh the revealed preference cascade has started. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but no, the, the whole cryptid national park thing has always interested me. Um because yeah. I, a lot of people have claimed to see that's where a lot of like they think cryptids come or when they see them or have spottings, it's almost always in or near national parks at night. Yeah, um, from what I've from what I've read, there's also a possibility uh, though too that there's some like a selection bias thing happening where it's like a sure. rural area that people are going to go to is probably uh -huh. a national park. You know what I mean? Like like right. a, a place that's, that's like people to yeah yeah like a remote place be. that people actually go to to see this stuff would probably be a national park. It could well, I mean, be that... You also notice that every time that somebody sees something paranormal or uh, extraterrestrial or anything like that, it's, it's it's actually where a human being is standing is where they witness it. Have you noticed that? Uh, yes, typically. Yeah. It's almost always a human that, that witnesses it. And it's always, <laughs> actually, always a human. Yeah, it, it has to, to be. Yeah. So that's some wild selection bias. Right there. <laughs> that's... 
<laughs> yeah, but now like the, I, I don't know. I, yeah, because I know that people used to, and it's, it's become like a meme online now, but like the common theory about why these people uh, went missing or Wendigos uh, up, abducted them and ate them. Uh, yeah. that, that's always the common one. I don't um, really have any opinions on like Wendigos yeah, or Skinwalkers or anything like that yeah. uh, because it's it's more folklore, which isn't something I'm anti-existing, you know, as like a thing. Sure. Folklore. I like it. It's the reason that I'm into paranormal shit, really, because that's mm-hmm. all paranormal shit is. Well, folklore, it's it's all to, it, you just said it, it's all to some extent folklore. Like there's, yeah, there's. It exists is the problem. Right, oh, right, right. It's all uh, it, it, to, to, but even even the stuff that's wrong is mm-hmm. is its own kind of folklore. All the MJ12 stuff it, that's yeah. a form of, yeah, of that had, and yeah. even though it had a specific reason for existing, like like I said, the MJ12 stuff existed for one reason. It is so the government can track and see yeah. who they could trust with confidential information. Because uh, back in the 1980s, I I personally believe that the government was willing to tell UFO groups the same thing that they have already re- released several times in the past decades. That, yeah. Yeah. UFOs exist. The government's admitted that yeah. several times. Yep. Right. And they were willing to tell UFO groups as long as they could trust them with that information. Uh, but that, that was all MJ-12 was, was just who can we trust? And it turns out that uh, whoever leaked the MJ-12 stuff from their UFO group, whoever I think it might have been MUFON. That published it. I don't remember. Uh, Probably that person that was uh that was that had a handler. It was just they couldn't be trusted by the government. And so everything that person was basically tarnished at that point in the government's eyes. And anything that they've talked about from UFO about UFOs uh, as a correspondent of the government can't be trusted at that point. Because yeah. Mm-hmm. If they received any information from the government, you could bet your ass it was all shit that they just pulled out of their rear. Yeah, not right. not the case. There's yeah. the yeah, there's but... the interesting sort of I, I I did have one question kind of coming off of all this stuff. The the and and the idea of folklore, honestly, all this stuff connecting like with MJ12 and the David Ike shit. Um the idea that like all of that to some extent what what do you think about this idea that these these myths create their own sort of like an egregore like they create their own kind of reality oh they do the first time i watched the fucking david eichlin wemley thing that was like 9 hours i spent so much time watching that fucking 9 hour video <laughs> him talking about reptilians in australia about how they're real and this is the queen morphing into a reptilian and this is how they do it. And this is the hologram theory and uh, inner earth. It was just, you invest so much time into that shit. It becomes a mythology for at least a little bit. Yeah. Because if you, if you spend that much time being an open-minded person and saying, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to give this an honest shot. Whenever you, you experience the nine hours, you're invested at that point. Oh, for sure. at least There's... a little bit. I never, I've never given that stuff an honest shot though. Like for me, when I fire up a documentary like that or a video like that, to me, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to have some fun for a little bit. It's entertainment. I've never, I've never given that stuff like a real, at least on like the David Icke angle. And so there's some stuff that attracts me. Like for example, the, the old civilization theories and and stuff like that, things that I really like. And again, don't know if I believe it, but I really, really like it. It's all the component parts of it that he uses to pull you in. 
Mm -hmm. Well, you believe in hologram earth theory, right? So why is it a jump to think that they're shape-shifting reptilians when all they're using is hologram technology or some bullshit like that? Or you believe in UFOs, so you must believe in reptilians because they're broadcasting waves from Jupiter. That's what the eye on Jupiter is. The, a, a broadcast? I had not heard that about the eye on Jupiter. So, oh, you've oh, never. Oh, no, I've never you've heard, never heard this. this. Oh, boy. There are late. So one of the problems with like modern uh, conspiracy culture, in my opinion, is, is there's so many people in, involved in so many different parts of it that somebody like David Icke can come in and connect them all together. A lot like how a lot of these groups that are independently studying it or linking it all together, but in a, in a more malicious way and saying, well, if you, if you believe all this stuff, there's not a huge jump to believing in reptilian shapeshifters running the world, uh, which, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's nowadays people are just equated to like, uh, yeah, he's just an anti-Semite because, you know, lizards are Jewish or something. <laughs> uh, but there, there, there's the David Icke umbrella universe where he tries to really bring it into meat space, which I think is the most malicious thing is taking the paranormal outside of the metaphorical or like uh, right. the meta metaphysical yeah, yeah. metaphysical uh, universe. When you take it, when you explicitly remove it from the metaphysical, it's, it, but it's a tool to control right. people. That's what you're talking about when person. you talk about the, the nuts and bolts guys, these guys that try to yeah. make the, make it into provide and this is why you need to buy my book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And providing real hard physical explanations for things that defy that kind of explanation. Like they, they yeah. just don't, you can't do that. No, it's uh, like, I'm at, I'm kind of at the point where as much as I'd love to make a uh, theory of everything for this, it's anybody can weaponize that. Right. Yes. And even yeah. me like looking at it, I think right now, like the biggest problem with the paranormal field is the people that are doing the hardest work, like they're doing the best research, they're trying to come up with their own theory of everything. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a problem to me. That seems to yeah. defy sort of the spirit, it, whether, whether you take certain aspects of it seriously or not. That seems to defy the spirit of the whole thing to me. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm less interested in the idea of like a meta narrative that explains all of it. I, I, I'm right. more interested. I like mystery. Yeah. I, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm fine. I, mystery is cool. Uh, but yeah. like, even with the control theory, which is about like the closest that I would glance at, like a theory of everything is the control right. theory. Uh, there's something out there influencing human beings that are not humans, but also humans are haunted. So it probably comes from humans. So it's a, it's a big circle jerk of maybe right, it is, maybe it first. isn't. It's mysterious. Yeah. Uh, right, and right. That, that's where and I'm at. Go into like, did this thing come first or did humans bring it into reality? And then it affected. I think humans? John Keel thought that this thing came first because there okay. was a rough draft of a, science fiction work that he was uh he was trying to write a science fiction book back in i don't know the 50s or something like that and it started off as like this uh this mass of matter floating through space became conscious after so many millions of years right mm -hmm. and you can imagine where it goes from there yeah okay uh There's, eventually um, it settled on earth and you know it's that there's a type, it's interesting because there's a type, I forget the actual official name for it, but there's a type of idealist theory that 
our thought, and this goes into like tulpas and egregores that actually dovetails really nicely, where our thoughts aren't just what we think they are. They actually have actual causal power. Like our, our minds have causal power and enough energy exerted towards thoughts can can actively or sometimes even retroactively create things in existence um, that will affect all then later causally affect us. What are you um, reading like psychics or something? Yes, yes, Dan, yeah. that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's all it sounds like but, to me. Yeah, but it, well, it, it, it's kind of like go ahead. Yeah, I was I was gonna say there's there's the the classic kind of tulpa theory that that you that you I I, I guess I shouldn't say it's classic because there's it's it's more uh, it's sort of spun off of what is old school kind of tulpa theory, but the idea that you can almost manifest a uh not necessarily even a consciousness but something like you yeah, can something. touch you can touch some aspect of this metaphysical plane and and influence in such a way that you can create a thing right, right. uh well, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be conscious or even even sentient but it's a thing for sure you know what i mean right yes. i mean if you trick yourself into thinking that all matter is subjective, like all physical matter is subjective, right? So if all physical matter is subjective, then you can create anything that you want out in the subjective material universe and then reach out and touch it, right? Uh, right. Yeah. A lot more work than uh, just, you know, fucking reading uh, fucking, what are those guys called? Uh, phenomenologists? It's way yes. more work than that because then you gotta like go into whatever bullshit they're on and maybe dissolve yeah. on accident and then you're dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not in right. that. Yeah. So it's such yeah. an interesting idea. I love. I I fucking love this shit. But oh, it's but it's, Dean, the um. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about the the transmitter on Jupiter thing. <laughs> oh so. yeah, I have never heard this. Okay. Do you know about the uh, the little uh, what is, is it? An octagon, a hexagon? Uh, uh, yeah, there's like a hexagon or something like that on. It's a hexagon on Jupiter. Just go, it's um, the, to look you like Google a it right now. I can pull it up immediately. You, yeah, just Google Jupiter hexagon and you'll see it. If you um, look at it just right, it kind of looks like a cube, which means yeah. no cubes. Oh yeah, holy shit! Some shit. Uh, it's on. And what's weird yeah. about it? What's weird about it is it's so geometrically perfect, almost like I obviously it probably not, you know, literally perfect, but it is very like it doesn't look like there's that many rough lines to it. It looks very like uh, too straight, almost too perfect. And people have this theory that it's it is not naturally made um, It's because it looks too good. It looks too perfect. The the shape and the structure. Of OK, it. It doesn't look like something that would be reoccurring in nature necessarily let's say because it's just too um too like geometrically perfect um uh but like if you, so from um if you go and what is a radio waves from jupiter i think i think you can find that on youtube too but basically it sounds like howling screams from hell <laughs> um if you Google this, I, you can play it if you want, but uh, if you just Google that on YouTube, like Jupiter radio transmissions or radio waves, uh, you'll probably... The kids these days would say that that sounds pretty metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very. 
Okay. No, I'm I'm seeing the I'm seeing stuff. I don't want to pull up a video because I'm afraid it would be the wrong one, and we'll have to listen to a YouTuber talk about how the, uh, I heard this thing and it's so cool and go on for five minutes about fucking loot crate before we get to hear it. But the okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> but the um. But Not no, I do see the other three minutes of nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do see what you're talking about, though. Yeah, it's coming up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let uh, hold on. I can actually find you the video and then link it to you uh, if you want to play it. Um, I can. Yeah, it's, it, it sounds eerie. It as long as you're going about it, it's it's kind of reminding me a little bit of the. Uh, do you remember one of my favorite? Um, and this is a very very popular Art Bell clip. But the, uh, so for me to say it's one of my favorites is not, you know, it's no, uh, no large thing, but the, uh, the clip of the pit to hell, the Russian hell pit where he, he listened to, or they played the audio. I was first introduced to this clip by a song that uses his introduction to it at the beginning of the song. And he says, I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. And then plays this audio that sounds like screaming from the pits of hell. <laughs> I remember that. And is this audio from from this this deep fucking hole? I think they were actually doing uh, like core mineral sort of uh, uh, studies. And they were just coring these massive holes in Russia. And mm -hmm. they're incredibly deep. And they put a mic down one of them. And it was, it was, it sounded insane. Yeah. Um, it's the eerie sounds of Saturn. I think I said Jupiter. That was my fault. Uh, it's Saturn. But yeah, I, I sent you. you that video. If you want to pull, I just, just play a few seconds. Around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's the same thing. They're yeah. circles. They're just big marbles. Who shit? <laughs> if I look at them in binoculars, I guarantee you they're going to look almost the same. Yeah, same exactly. <laughs> Yep, I can get it pulled up. No NASA science. Yeah, <laughs> Never a straight answer. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really right. eerie, though. I'm getting it pulled up right now. Okay, cool. It is loading, and I'm unmuting. Eerie sounds upset. Shit. That is wild. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and I misremember or misremember those uh the, the days back whenever you reuse a VHS tape, but you forget to like wipe the fucking tape mm -hmm. so it just records over it. It's just the same thing. Mm-hmm. Jupiter. That is, Saturn, that, is, planet that, is. that is wild. It's yeah, great. yeah, that that is spawned. That spawned a lot of conspiracy theories <laughs> when that came. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. It's like the is is that uh, you know what? I think I just since I played that audio, I think I'm gonna find that art. But what were you saying about that though? What's the what's the connection to the the hexagon? Uh, I believe they think that that is uh like the source it's coming from. If I recall, those are the right? mind like, control rays, bud. Yes. Oh yeah. holy shit! Really? Oh yeah, yeah. I gotta, yeah. I gotta download them updates. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's yeah. where the NPCs get their OTA well, updates okay, from. So you know, you know yeah. about the. Have you ever heard of like the uh, black cube um, conspiracy theories? No. Okay. Same thing. Pretty yeah. much. Just different rapper. So, yeah. 
So, I mean, it's pretty much, yeah, just what Tevs was explaining, but like the transmitters and receivers. So all around the world in like, what are they like in government, like not in government facilities, but like on the plaza of government facilities, government buildings, height, like just the capitals uh, of some places. Sometimes there'll be artwork of black cubes, just like black cubes. So what's the most famous one, Ted? It's, uh, isn't there one at CERN actually? I'm not sure about CERN, but I know that uh, uh, fucking that place in Mecca. Yes, yeah, Mecca. They yes. all black cube. Yeah. So there's okay. the, uh, I forget what it's called. Um, um, apologies, but th- there's a big black cube. And the theory goes that that black cube of uh, Saturn uh, or Jupiter, whatever it's uh, Saturn, I think uh, it it's there. And it's tra- and it's transmitting, and the black cubes on Earth are the receivers, essentially. Um, Incredible. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That is well, I say it makes sense. I mean, in a broad yeah, sense. Makes, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So. Speaking of D and D, you right. Black cubes. That's a problem. Right. <laughs> so glad that I didn't get too invested in that game. Maybe. <laughs> no, uh, Maybe the people in the 80s were on to something. <laughs> the satanic panic was right. It was actually aliens all along. Yeah, it was, it was all aliens all along. Yeah. Uh, I actually wanted to ask you guys now. Um, is there any, and I, Ted, I, we've talked about this before, so I, I know you have some stories, but have you guys ever had um, a paranormal experience that freaked you out? Or just an experience, you might not necessarily have to, you might not necessarily have to think about it in a paranormal way, but that kind of scared you or freaked you out a little bit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <You're dead. laughs> oh, shit. Wow. Okay. Ted, that, was that, was perfect, that was perfect response. timing. That was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Ted, why don't you uh, tell us about some? I thought I've had a lot. Uh, the most. Okay. Probably the most recent one was maybe a year-ish ago. I was sleeping. It would have been a little bit over a year ago. I was sleeping at the new place upstairs. And I woke up, and it's because it sounded like there were feet rustling the carpet. Like they were just shuffling on the carpet really, really loud. And I was just like sitting there paralyzed i couldn't do shit and i was like what the fuck is this noise because i've had par- sleep paralysis again i was just like oh well, well this is just the same old thing but i'd really like to fucking get out of it and figure out where that noise is coming from so i'm, I'm sitting there not able to move trying to like move something and then the the sound disappears randomly and then i hear this extremely nice feminine voice say from the corner of the room he does that sometimes. Oh my god! Oh god! Yeah. That and then I forgot what she horrifying. said after that, but whatever she said after that was like even scarier. It was like he does that sometimes, but it—I don't remember what it was after that. It was real fucking weird, and it was just I couldn't sleep after that. Like after hearing that, I just once I got out of sleep paralysis, I was just like, I'm done. I'm just gonna fucking turn the lights on. I'm done. I'm not. I'm not sleeping tonight. <laughs> I'm up. I'm up yeah. for the rest of the day. I'm up. I don't want to know who, who he is that was going what, but I'm I'm done. 
Yeah. <laughs> it was what it really was was it was just this tomorrow. homeless couple that had crawled in through your window and the one guy was just jerking off in the corner. It, was, it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> if only the, the the setup in the house was uh in favor of that theory. <laughs> uh, Ted, was, is that the same experience you told me about uh where you woke up and you had the dream thing? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, uh is that or is that a different one? It depends. I've had a lot of dream stuff. Okay, I've I'm had a lot of stuff one, where like I, the I wake up and, type one. Uh, I've had a lot of dreams where I wake up and it's almost like there's a there's a definite mood in the dream. You found the woman like, in the bathroom. That one. Oh, that was fucked. Yeah, <laughs> tell us about that one. Okay, so <laughs> whenever I got my first apartment in Lawrence in Kansas, uh, you know I was doing my thing sleeping uh, yeah. because I have to work in the morning. And I wake up, and there's this oppressive force in the entryway of the uh, the room. It's like there's, it's almost like there was this uh, section where the door was that was its own thing, this really massive threshold, you know, and then the room was outside of that because it was built weird. Uh, but in the dark corner of the room, it was almost like I could feel something watching me from that. And oh, my God. It was like, a, all right, I'm probably just real tired. So I go back to bed and then I wake up again and I'm sleep paralyzed, but I got to pee. Mm -hmm. mm. So I fight myself out of it like I normally do whenever I get sleep paralysis and like, all right, I'm going to go pee and go back to bed because I got to fucking work in the morning. Go out to the bathroom and uh, there's a woman in the bathroom wearing a dress and just, you know, for reference, my roommate isn't a woman or a transvestite uh, uh, and his <laughs> hair is red, not black. But anyways... Her hair was like over her face, like some, oh my god, like, 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 like Ringo, Ringo. yeah, kind of like that. Uh, and I go in there, and for some reason, like this kind of cued me off that it was a dream after I woke up again. Uh, was I, I instead of saying, What the fuck are you doing here? I'm like, What are you? I, I asked her, I was like, What are you doing here, jacking off or something? <laughs> uh, but she was just sitting on the toilet, just looking down. Oh, uh, and then she looks at me. And just fucking screams this scream. Oh, and then I wake up. And oh I wake up God. and I'm sleep par paralyzed. And I'm like, man, I got to fucking pee. So I fight myself out of it. I'm like, all right. All right, I'm good. I'm going to go pee. I go to the bathroom, turn the light on. She's there again. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. In the bathroom, standing there looking at oh me. Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, shit. And then she screams at me. So I wake up. And I'm sleep paralyzed. I'm sitting there like, I really got to pee, but is it worth it? Like, that, that's kind of what's going through my mind at that For point. a third time. So I fight at, I fight it because I'm like, I, I really just got to pee. So I fight out of it, go to the bathroom. She's there. She screams oh. at me. I wake up. I'm sleep paralyzed. I fight out of it. Wake up. Go to the bathroom. She's there and she screams at me. I wake up and I, How many I'm, times I'm like did this happen, giving up at this point. Did... It was a lot. It was like at least five or six times this shit happened. Oh my god! In a row, and, and you I wake thought up, you woke up every time. Every time, and it's the same dress, and it was like patterned after like the fucking sleeping pants I had, which is real weird. Hmm. But anyways, the last time I wake up, find myself out of sleep paralysis, and I'm just sitting there like I don't even know anymore. Right. I don't even know anymore. So I don't even fucking go to the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom. She's not there. I pee. 
And for the next year, I don't know what's real. <laughs> like, normally, you have a weird dream, like a nested dream. Up. It's like twice you wake up, and then within an hour, you know what's real. But like yeah. after that, I went to work. I thought I was in a dream. Mm -hmm. I went home. I thought I was in a dream. I didn't know it was real. I was waiting to go to bed, wake up, uh, have this fucking lady scream at me again and start the cycle over for a oh year. God. The only thing that makes me have cyclical dreams like that is an alarm clock or, or, a, or a repetitive noise. You know it what was, I mean? Uh, it was like a good two hours before my alarm clock would have went off. Jesus. Because uh, I, 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 I have had those repetitive dreams, but it's always been like, I want to say it was triggered by a repetitive sound. Too. That's crazy. Yeah, the scariest thing is that you like you thought you woke up from the dream like you were every dreaming, single time i was convinced the dream in your dream every single time i was convinced i was awake oh and i was just God. sleep paralyzed but like after the the second time i was aware that i was in a nested dream and not knowing whether or not i was still in a dream oh god but the second time around i didn't know it was real anymore that's gotta be the worst the kind of fucking know it was real fourth that time is... i finally wake up finally go pee i'm still like well i don't gotta pee anymore but is it real I don't know. I'm going to go back to bed, go to work. Don't know if it's real. Don't know if oh I'm going to wake God, up. Yeah. Don't know if I still got to pee. Who knows? I might still have to pee. I'm horrified by the concept of, of becoming aware that I'm dreaming because I don't remember my dreams and I'm very happy about that because all my dreams are stress nightmares. Like I don't have oh. non-stress nightmare dreams. And I am I horrified of becoming conscious of them. I want to say like within the last year I had my first OB the experience but it was for oh, about really? a second because you know pause always had them and i was like i don't i don't know if those are real uh because i've had lucid dreams so i kind of know lucid dreams are real i don't necessarily believe that they're entirely lucid uh because you know i go through most of my life not lucid so why the fuck would a dream be lucid <laughs> uh but I, i've always thought like OBEs really just got to be just a dream right just a dream so i'm, I'm sitting there having a dream like it was a dream like I was at work and then uh, something happened. I think so. I was a mover at the time. We were in a truck. We were driving through Kansas City and then this light just went right in front of the truck, hit the road. And all of a sudden I'm floating up towards it right in the dream. And I'm very aware that this is a dream until I wake up and the arrangement in the basement is exactly as it exists in the basement where I was sleeping at the time. Because uh, I couldn't sleep in a bed for some reason upstairs. I just couldn't. I had to sleep in the, the couch. So I woke up. Lighting's the same as it is. The arrangement in the basement's the same as it is. Uh, mm. And then all of a sudden, I feel myself almost jerked out of my body floating up. And then I turn around, and before I see myself, I'm like, oh, fuck this. And wake <laughs> up. And it's like, it was almost like a hand clap back into my body. Oh, I was like, I, whenever that happened, I was like, I, okay, this it's cool. It's real. I, I don't give a fuck. Don't want to know what happens. I don't need to go through that Take again. Back. <laughs> fuck yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, wow. That, yeah, that, I've never had an OBE before, but that sounds spooky. I've had enough of one that to know is... I don't want to have another one because I don't want to know. Yeah. That kind yeah. of thing. I, ugh. I've had um, lucid dreams before, or I guess, I, so some people describe lucid dreams as in the sense that they can like, uh, like do whatever they want in their dream manipulate like the actual dream, dream manipulate it i've never had that strong of a lucid dream but i've had it to the point where i i become consciously aware in the dream that i'm dreaming i've had that multiple times um 
something spooky about that. And I've talked to people like Bird. Bird is, uh, um, I've talked to him about this. He has, he's had the same experience I've had. In fact, a lot of people who lose the dream have this experience where whenever I'm dreaming and there's other people in the dream with me, like other you know, entities, if you want to call them that or whatever, um, some type of thing, uh, when you become conscious uh, or when you become consciously aware that you're in a dream, all the people in there become very upset and angry, like very angry, like they physically angry that you're in the, that, you know, it's a dream. Um, and every time I've become consciously aware of that, I'm dreaming these and these things like attack me and force me out of it. Like, and then I wake up a few moments later. It's weird. It's that really is weird. Fucking horrifying. Yeah. Go to like a shrink, bud. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I said, man, all, um, all my dreams are stressed. Now. I'm terrified of dreaming. I hate the concept <laughs> itself because I only yeah. have stress nightmares. And so that that Oof. that what you're describing is is not without the being consciously aware that it's a dream, but just being surrounded by people attacking you. I've had yeah. that dream and not been able to wake up out of it. Like Oof. it's it is it is. Uh, I hate fucking dreams. I hate them. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, there's a, you. I love dreams, except for you know the ones. Except when you find you... the woman in your bathroom. Yeah, that's some fucking yeah, shit. yeah. I could go without that shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I honestly did. If I had that experience you had, I would never want to dream again in my life. Like, I would I've never. Had, I'd be terrified of sleeping. I've had some pretty grotesque dreams that just shook me out, and Ugh. not one of them has made me afraid to go back into a dream. Really? Oh, that's good. Like I've had a dream where. I woke up and there was a person, it was almost like a video game where they're giving you like the fucking, uh, what's that shit called? Where they're just like describing the situation to you. Yeah. Uh, that. And then they've got like this TV and it kind of like all of a sudden I'm watching, they're talking about like the Antichrist is born or something like that. And uh, it goes into like this parking garage and then it like goes below the parking garage, right? Uh, and then there's this dude that looks like he's inbred as fuck. He's just sitting there screaming, and it turns out he's, like, screaming because there's doctors with fucking circular saws ripping open his back to do science. Oh, my God. there's, like, blood and visceral going everywhere, and he's just screaming his lungs out. And then he just goes off, and then I wake up because I didn't want to know after that. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, that that kind of, that's normal, right? <laughs> I was just gonna say, I don't think I've ever had like a lot of people describe nightmares to me, and I I can't relate to them, uh, thankfully, uh, because I don't usually have nightmares that are like viscerally gruesome or scary to me. I usually the type of nightmares I have are usually kind of like impressionistic, where I get a feeling of dread or doom or something, but I don't I can't place it like uh, in, in any one area type thing. Um, but yeah, what dream. you're describing is scary. I had a dream. So this one wasn't really scary, but it was strange. I was at a house that, uh, this is the thing about my dreams that doesn't make sense to me, right? So people always talk about their dreams, about how like, mm-hmm. oh, this is just a story that your mind makes up. Well, mm-hmm. whenever I'm in a dream and I'm aware that I'm in a dream, not aware I'm in a dream, but I'm just aware, like lucid enough to be awake and doing right. things in the waking state. Yeah, uh, as like if you that. think you were so, there. When I'm there, I have background knowledge of the dream set. <gasps> yes, I've had that before. That exist yes. inside the dream. Yes, but don't exist outside the dream. Like I, yes. I know like lore. the history of the dream. Yes, yeah. 
Yes. Uh, it's so, so weird. In that instance, it was there was a house and my grandpa built it. Right. So it was all mm -hmm. like different, like a Winchester house or something like that, where it was all strange. Well, inside of it was just a maze that was changing constantly. And then there was this dark area that I remember going to specifically because I was trying to find something in the house. I, and I don't remember what, what it was, but I just knew I had to find something in the house. And in this dark area, this dark hallway, there was this entity that kind of just appeared and he had, instead of a face, it was like clock parts just going around. Okay. Like and a clockwork man? Like, not, not really that. It was almost like his face was clockwork and nothing else was. And he, he was all like dressed in black or something. Like outside mm. of his face being clockwork, everything else was just black, like a shadow. Oh, that's, and he that's took me spooky. through that and then just kind of disappeared and almost it was almost like he was following me through the rest of the dream and that's all I remember of it and then I woke up Jeez, real weird yeah that's that's but crazy. like that a dream like that's what interests me because I don't hear enough about people having dreams and when they're inside the dream they almost have their own memory that is exclusive yes. to the dream. Exactly. That makes, you know that about contextualizes things. the dream so that you believe it's real. Yes, exactly. Like you know about things in the dream that aren't explicitly conveyed to you in the yeah. dream itself. Like it's almost like stuff. that that you're given memories to contextualize the dream yeah. so that you know it's real. Yeah. Right. I, I've had that a couple times. It's extremely jarring when I, when I wake up and think about that. Yeah, yeah. it's so weird. Man, that's uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that is oh man, that gets the yeah. noggin joggin, yeah, that's wild, yeah. What have you had, oh. Dean? What, what kind of weird, yeah, Dean? What it have you had? Oh, I, 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 I have one thing I've never, I, I'm, I am not a person who has had experiences, uh, and by that, I mean paranormal experiences, I've done things, I've not, I haven't, I haven't had. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I've worked just... at a, a haunted Quiznos. <laughs> I've been to haunted places out in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. I have seen what I think are UFOs, even though I know that I lived next to a military base. But the mm -hmm. aircraft that I've seen did not, it wasn't recognizable to anything that they would have had at that place in that time. Yeah. Uh, so you, you've got, you've probably got at least more than one thing and you just don't don't know it that's certainly possible but there's there's one thing that i'm sure is real and i'm sure it's real because of you know because of my weird sort of i'm i am reticent to believe stuff that is paranormally related i'm i'm i, I i'm i'm just kind of resistant to it just as a personality thing i don't know but there was enough here that I truly believe that this is real. So when I was a kid, um, I told I, I actually told this story to pause. Uh, I was I was messaging with him on on Twitter and I had sent him a message and I was like, uh, hey, man, can I tell you a story? <laughs> he was like, yeah, go for it. And and so what it what when I was a kid, I was like pretty brutally bullied, if you can believe it. Um, I was, I was pretty, <laughs> sorry, I'm just vaping. I promise. 
I was pretty brutally bullied as a kid. I was I was a sad kid. I was a mad kid. I've always kind of had a depressive personality, but I was I was truly really depressed as a kid. And so at one point in like in probably sixth or seventh grade, I start going to this uh, to this therapist, and and this is again I was raised in the church. This was a Christian therapist. And one of the things that he, uh, one of the things that he imparted to me was that when you have these kinds of feelings of, of, of like sadness and anger and stuff like that, that you give that up to God. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I took that advice very literally. Um, yeah. If you can imagine me taking something very literally, uh, I, I took that advice very literally and I started actively doing that. Okay. As, as a kid. Eventually, I kind of grew out of that. Uh, I, I became more comfortable with myself and, uh, you know, people who I was socializing with and actually developed friends. Had a pretty good time in high school, left to college, not even thinking about it. So this is years, years, years and years later over the last kind of holiday. Uh, my girlfriend and I are staying at my parents' house. And my mom tells me, that she had to do this has like connections to like some brujeria stuff and things like that. My mom tells me she had to do a cleansing on my room. Mm. And I'm like, uh, okay, why? I know she likes to do that stuff. Burn sage, things like that makes her feel better. Fine. Uh, You know what I mean? I've never thought anything of it. She tells me, okay, so she was in there repainting my old bedroom from when I was a kid. And she tells me that she's always hated being in that room, which is true. Even when I was young, she hated that bedroom. She never wanted to be in there. Um, and she tells me that she was in there and the dog, she, she felt like she always feels in that room, which is like oppressive. It's, it's just an oppressive room to be in. It's not dark. It's, it's, it's well lit. It's, it's also, but she was just, it was felt oppressive in the room and the, the dog that was in there with her while she was painting was growling at one of the corners of the room the entire time, the entire time growling at this one corner. There was nothing there, but, but this dog was growling at this one corner the entire time. And so I, uh, I, 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 she, she, Tells me that uh, my brother's girlfriend, okay, who has some connections to like brewery and stuff like that and paranormal stuff, uh, she had gone into the room and she told my brother there's something there. And so he asked her, he was like, what's the, what, what is it? What, what's going on? And she says, well, there's a sad guy up in this corner. She was not aware of the dog growling at that corner. This was independent. This was an independent observation that she made. She said, there's a sad guy floating up in that corner. And he's just kind of sad looking. He's just kind of upset. And, and she's like, he, he's not like mad. He didn't even really notice us. He's just there and he's sad. And hmm. I said, oh, okay. So my mom's imparting this story to me. The, they tell my mom that. And my mom goes, holy shit. The, 
the dog was growling at that corner. So my mom calls in the cavalry. My aunt and another woman that they know who, like, they, they're, there's, I mean, these are all sage-burning women, dude. <laughs> hmm. So my mom uh, tr- uh, smudged the room. She tried to smudge the room, and it didn't work. And that's when she calls in the cavalry. She, she brings in my aunt and another woman they know, and they, what they do is they open the window, they start smudging, and the, what they're telling whatever it is, the entity, that it's not needed. It's, it doesn't need to be there. It's not necessary. And, and, and eventually, they cleanse the room. Hmm. And my mom's telling me this story. She's telling me all this. And I was never aware of such a thing. Like, I didn't, I was never aware of that entity. Huh. But when my mom told me that story, something clicked. And I was never, I was never consciously aware of this thing, but something clicked and it just made sense. When my mom told me that story and I, and I told her, I said, uh, I think I might've made that. I think I might've made that when I was trying to, to expel or, or to, uh, exercise all of this, all the depression and sadness that I had when I was a kid and, and trying to literally, in a very literal way, get rid of it. I think I might have made that. And so, what? Yeah, yeah go uh, for it. One thing that I've come across recently that I, I've come across it in like Keel's work before briefly, uh, but I started reading the Goblin Universe, and he, he they talk about this concept of the ghoul and not like traditional like boogie man undead dude or whatever that's falling apart for some reason but it's like this area of this just geographical space that may be you know big or small maybe like the size of a room or it might be the size of a warehouse or inside or outside whatever it's got like a definite boundary and it can move it doesn't have to move but once you enter the the space you feel oppressed and John Kill yeah. actually wrote about this in the Mothman Prophecies, and uh, Ted Holliday wrote about it in the Goblin Universe a little bit. Uh, but that's something that's been fascinating me recently is this concept of just space having almost its own agency to yeah. where mm-hmm. it can affect the way that you feel. Yeah, uh, so I, I do want to say, Dean, uh, a couple things about that thing. I, one of the scariest things to me is always when a dog or a cat or any animal really gets fixated on one spot. When they're seeing something. Out, yeah. And you don't see it. Yeah. Like I've that... had cats. I've had the cats like all my life and dogs, obviously. But um, some of my cats at my old house, my old family house, um, they would stare up at a wall in a single spot in the wall for like hours and just stare intensely at something. And it freaked me out. Uh, well, that dog, because... this is this is one of the wild things, too. To add context to that, that dog never spent any time in that room. That room's been storage for years since I've been away. Oh. And and that the the that uh and that dog wasn't there when I was growing up. Like they got that dog mm. after I was in, gone to college, I think. So oh, it was like oh, that wow. dog has never spent time in that room. That they had just cleaned that room out. It was storage, and my mom was repainting it. 
and that, so that dog had that never been there before. Point out. What's that? One other thing I want to point out was uh, so the sage burning. Uh, so the day before, or the day of that really bad dream, I was at a move where I had to touch burnt sage. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. And I remember that standing out to me at the time. And then it clicked the next time I had to like touch anything that was, you know, at all involved with witchcraft for mm-hmm. the job. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to touch that. Yeah. No, not happening. Y'all can have fun with that. Yeah. It was this, it was, it was something they, it was, it was a weird thing. And, and it's enough points of individual confirmation <clears throat> that are unconnected. Like the dog being fixated on that spot and there not being anything there. Yeah. Like normally if a cat does that in my apartment or whatever, I look at where they're looking and there's a fruit fly there. You know what I mean? Like, like there's something there. That dog being fixated on that spot and there being nothing. And then being totally unaware of that, my brother's girlfriend saying, oh yeah, there's a guy there. He's just like a sad guy. And he apparently just there with his head down, just sad. That, yeah, that's, that's creepy. Oh, man. That's how it works. I've, yeah, I've had, um, so. And, and it would have been, I, I do want to clarify something. It would have been oh, totally yeah. accidental. Like, if, if that was a, if that was a thing that I'm, because it, 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 it clicked with me and it made so much sense when mom was telling me that story, something just made perfect sense. And I told her, I was like, I think I made him. My bad. Like, I don't, like, I, it wasn't, it wasn't the, it was totally unintentional and totally from like a, like an, not, not like a focusing on a thing to make a thing. Not like, uh, mm-hmm. like with the monk. It's like, I'm not right. trying to make a monk. I'm trying to dispel this, this emotional, uh, pain and, and energy. I'm trying to dispel this. And so I don't have to fucking carry it with me all day long. And it, it just made perfect sense that that ended up coalescing into some kind of thought form that that was entirely a passive thing, and it was just an energy sink for sadness. Yeah, I, you know what I mean. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I um, yeah, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah, I'd, I'd be. Yeah, anytime a dog or a cat is like hyper fixated on something, and as you said, it being corroborated by your your brother's girlfriend, that's also like creepy. Well, what uh, sold it for me was it was the same corner. It was right, it, when, exactly. when she was when she was saying it, it was like, oh no, he's like right there in that corner. Yeah, and and yeah. and she had no clue, and my mom was like, yeah, the dog was growling at that corner. She's like, well, there's somebody there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that's wow, that's spooky. I um. I once, uh, so I, I lived in a place a while back where there was this, uh, I had this room and I'm not a paranoid person, right? I, I rarely ever feel paranoid, like ever at all. In fact, I count on my, like maybe once or twice ever in my life have I felt like really paranoid. Um, so it's not a common thing for me, but the, so I have this room and this is also an aside, but it may be somewhat related to this. Um, this room was infested with spiders, um, like there were spiders i i would kill a spider i'd go to the bathroom i'd come back there'd be three more spiders from who knows where uh, on my wall Uh, (laughs) and that alone was kind of unsettling to me i don't like spiders that much um but this one night 
I remember it got really cold in the room for no reason. I had the heat on and it was still cold, really cold in the room. Um, and I remember having this feeling, it was at night, that I was just being watched in the room. And it was so unnerving to me that I actually I just went feeling. to sleep. I, like, I actually feeling. just went to sleep. Like it was something to the point where, again, I've had, you know, I've had feelings like, oh, someone's watching me, that feeling on your neck type thing. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, hmm, weird. Sometimes this was it's like oppressive though. Yeah, no, no, no. This was oppressive. That's what I mean. Like it was so oppressive to where it was like, I can't see anything in here, but I know I'm being watched right now. Um, and it did not feel nice. Um, it was so bad that I literally just went to sleep and because that's all I felt I could do. Uh, because it's like, yeah, I, <laughs> this is, uh, this is bad. Um, hmm. And yeah, so that, that, that was a weird experience for me. I also had, and I've talked about this on the show, so, or no, not this show, but I've talked about it in other shows before. Um, so, and Dean, I think you might have the same thing. I think I uh, talked to you about this before, but um, um, Ted, are you familiar with um, what's known as exploding head syndrome? Yeah. I mean, oh God, I hate yeah. it. I hate it so yeah. much. Yeah. So for people who don't know, um, I'll try to give like the, the milk toast scientific explanation for this. It's an auditory hallucination um, where oftentimes right before you're about to enter REM sleep, like right as you're about to doze off, um, you are inundated with an, a, a sound that either like an explosion, a door slamming, a car crash, something like that. All right. Um, I've had this multiple times in my life. Um, it, it's not a consistent thing, but it, it's consistent enough to where it ha- I can remember it happening multiple times. And oftentimes, right as you're about to fall asleep, um, I've heard personally like a car crash outside my my window. Um, there wasn't one. Um, mm-hmm. A door slamming right in front of me. Didn't have no no signs of that. Uh, just footsteps sometimes, like loud clank like clanking, um, things like that. Um, and so you know that's pretty unnerving itself. It's entirely it's terrifying. Ah. I hate it. It is terrifying. It keeps me from getting to sleep. I, I, uh, for me, just to Part contextualize the sound, for me, it sounds like dropping a book flat, a heavy book, yes. flat it's on a, a hardwood floor in an echoey yes. room, but very loud. Yes. That's what it sounds like to me. Too. It's the same every time, and, and it always sounds like that. Yes. Yeah. So I've had it a couple different variations. Like I've had the door slam. I've had the car crash. But the scariest one to me um, by far uh, I, I got up, at, it was like six in the morning. And I was still pretty tired. I'm like, okay, I can get maybe 30, 40 minutes more sleep. So I laid back down uh, and I'm about to go fall back to sleep, right? It, again, it's like six, 6.30, it's very early. I'm about to fall asleep. And so I, I'm sleeping on my side and my right ear is exposed, right? So my left ear is on the pillow, my right ear is exposed. Um, and I hear a male voice scream into my ear. Ah. Oh. what seemed (laughs) yes (laughs) yes no no it was good no but he screamed into my ear for what seemed like three to four seconds like and i mean it was like a metal male vocalist like scream like a deep growl um like uh and i like jumped up and like was like disturbed um I've never had that experience. I've never had it again either, which is uh, lucky. But for the next like two weeks, I was terrified to go to sleep. <laughs> um, yeah, you like, uh, when you're waking up, so you're mm-hmm. you're awake. You know, sometimes you just lay in bed and you're like, yeah, 
alarm hasn't gone off i'm just gonna not yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so sitting there just not and uh every uh, it happened a few times at the apartment in Lord, my second apartment in lords where i was just laying there and it was like voices yes that were unintelligible and yes, not like yes. they were saying not it was it was as if they were saying nonsense that had no structure what were they whispering sound like a yeah it yes it sounded like it sounded like words but it didn't sound like english or any language i've ever yes. heard and it yes. was non-stop I, it was just oh like a constant like vocalization of different yes voice set it was real weird Ted, I had I had this right. I had this a couple weeks after the man screamed into my ear, <laughs> um, and I was after I had that. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. Something's got to change. I'm done. Yeah. What happened was I, I had stayed up. Um, shocking, right? I didn't get much. Sleep no, yeah, no. Yeah, you staying up all night. Imagine my shock. <laughs> yeah, getting, no. After a while, only getting three to four hours of sleep, it can kind of take a toll on you. Uh-huh. So I remember oh, yeah. I was I was taking a nap. And it was like midday, but I, as soon as I like shut my eyes and I was like about to go into sleep, I heard like, it was like a female voice and a male voice, uh, like whispering to each other. And I was freaking out, dude. I'm like, no way. I'm not schizophrenic. Bullshit. Like a, a conversation, um, but none of the words were yeah, exactly. anything. Yes. Yes. It was a conversation. It sounded like between a man and a woman and, but they couldn't discern anything they said in particular but I could hear whispering and it was so distracting that I could not get to sleep. Like I was yeah. upset. Um, I've had I mean, that. Yeah. Like if, if somebody's speaking German, I can tell it's German. I can't speak yes. German. Same thing with French, with Spanish most yeah. of the time. It just sounded uh, like mumbo jumbo. Yeah. I could not. Russian, most Asian yeah. languages. Like there hasn't been a, like anything like it's just not identifiable. Like it's, it's, it's yeah. almost like a one continuous word that has radically different, uh, you know, sounds in it, I guess. It's like syllables, like just <sighs> constantly shifting syllables. It's weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's really, it's hard to describe. It's like, I guess I can't describe something I don't understand or can articulate, but you, you when I heard it, I could not like, repeat what was said because it just, i couldn't like physically i could not do it you know um, it'd it be real fucked what if that was enochian and oh, that's what we're fuck. hearing every time that happens is just oh my enochian like enochian's a real language and that's just what it is wow <laughs> that is terrifying yeah, yeah. dude uh, <laughs> i can't I, I i i don't i cannot handle voices I don't. I don't often yeah. hear things. I I don't hear things like what you're describing, but in mm-hmm. the times when I do think I'm hearing like a like a voice somewhere, it yeah. it fucking terrifies me. It's like when I was a yeah. kid. This is how much of a fucking pussy I am. When I was a kid, dude, <laughs> and this kind of thing sticks with me. I was still. A, we I went back to this house a while a while after, and I was still scared of this. So. My my grandparents' house had a, a basement, and it mm-hmm. was like two flights of stairs, one going, uh, one down, and then a right angle turn, and then you go down another flight, and there's the basement. But the basement was the end of a long ass hallway. There was like a hallway down there, and then the basement oh, was idea. at the end of it, and it was pitch fucking dark all the way yeah. down. I was terrified of going down into that basement my entire childhood because yeah. it was pitch 
fucking dark. And when I would leave that basement, for example, if I was down there watching cartoons or something like that, and it was time to go back upstairs, and I had to turn off the lights, right? So I would, mm-hmm. I would turn everything off and run up the stairs, yes. like, terrified. Yep. I was still, yeah. years later, I, as a, not a grown man, but a, a much older kid, I was, I, we went back to that place, and I, I was walking down those stairs, and I felt like a chill, like, oh, fuck, I'm still scared yeah. of this fucking place. <laughs> I don't get yeah, it. Dude. I, um, I grew up in a Victorian house, and I had, uh, we had this basement, um, <laughs> and the ba- like, it was kind of split up into two sections, right? Like, it, 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 was, it wasn't, there wasn't a hallway, but it was, like, two rooms, like, adjacent to one another. Um, and one room, it had lights, you know, it wasn't really well, it wasn't made, like, it wasn't a livable space. It was just like laundry and stuff like that. Sure. But um, the second room was like, yeah, we don't go in that room. Uh, it was just dark. There were no lights in it. And just there were mounds of dirt. Uh, and my family was always kind of spooked by that. And they never <laughs> disturbed it. Um, but there were just mounds of dirt down there, like a big, huge mound of dirt. Um, and like, yeah, it, it, that is spooky. But I, know, I totally know the feeling of like running up the stairs because you feel like something's chasing you as a kid. That is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's spooky. Um, I did want to say one thing, though, about the, um, the uh, man screaming into my ear uh, phenomenon I had. What really spooked me about it was, one, I've had like the uh, exploding head syndrome for a while. I'd never had that before, um, that particular type of thing. Um, so that was spooky. But what really spooked me about it was that I, I made note to say that my left ear was like on the pillow and my right ear was exposed. And when I heard, it, when I heard the scream, it sounded like auditorily proximate. Like I could tell where it was coming from, like external to me. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Like yeah. I could hear. Like I could hear it in the like coming into my right ear and more muffled on my left. Yeah, as if it was there was something actually there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a consistent sound across both ears. Correct, correct. Which if it was like if it was just like my mind just playing tricks on me, I would expect to just hear like quote unquote hear it. Yeah, yeah. It it would be even coming from both. Right. It wouldn't have its own place in the sound stage. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah. Why does my brain know to make it make the sound seem like it's only coming out of the ear that's exposed? That is, that, that really spooked me. Um, that was very unsettling. <laughs> well, that is very yeah. spooky and very appropriate yeah. for a Halloween episode. Yeah, Ted, you had another story. I don't. Um, do you remember the one? It, this is more of like an unsettling one type thing. Not. I don't know if I would necessarily classify as scary, but. Um, the white squirrel. <laughs> I love oh, yeah. that you have fucking book titles for these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I imagine that uh, like Ace has a spreadsheet of like all of my spooky stories, and each one yeah. has its own title. And, yeah. <laughs> I just write fan fiction for all my friends. I just like, you know. It's just... Again, I was uh, working at a moving company. And every morning we would go to a gas station. We went to a different gas station this time. It was the one that we'd normally fill fuel up with. It's not the one that we'd get food in the morning at. Go to like Quick Trip for food. And there was another one we get gas at because there was a discount or some shit uh, for the trucks, the work trucks. So we went there and I'm sitting in the cab. They're getting their food. I already got my water. I'm smoking a cigarette. I look across the gas station and notice this white thing just kind of like 
running around in a yard. And the closer I look at it, I realize it's a white squirrel. And I point at it when both of them get in the cabin. I'm like, is that a white squirrel? And they both look at it, and one of them's like, yeah. And then they just act like it's not a big deal that, you know, there's a fucking white squirrel at all. Like, they just see that shit all the time. I was just looking at it. So we pull out of the gas station. We go pretty much right next to it, and they're just talking about whatever they're talking about. I'm looking at this white squirrel running around this tree trunk. And then we go to the job. And then we come back, we go to that gas station because we actually get gas that that evening so that we feel fuel up for the next day. And I look over at the yard where the white squirrel was, and I'm like, "There's well, it's gone, I guess. It's not weird for having a 10-hour day or whatever long it was. Sure. Uh, and then I looked harder, and I was like, wait a second. The tree's gone, too. Like, the tree was never there. The tree that it was running around the trunk in was never in the yard. It was Holy just grass. shit. Like it was never, that tree never existed. There's not a trunk. It's just, it's yeah. just gone. Yeah. And I pointed it out and they're just like, dude, you're high. I don't smoke weed. <laughs> they yeah. Did they not Holy see shit. the tree? Did they not remember seeing the tree at all? They acted like seeing a big uh, white squirrel wasn't an, an, an unusual thing. <laughs> right. Like, but did if, they see the tree? If you see a bird, are you going to remember the color of it? Like, oh yeah, yeah. it's a bird. I mean, if you're some kind of super spy, you might, but... No, you get, the white albino like squirrels aren't just everywhere. I mean... Yeah. No. no. Did they um? Did they see the tree before, like when you first saw the tree? I don't know. They said that they don't remember seeing a tree, but I specifically That's remember... What I, yeah. When we pulled out, uh, those trucks are 26 feet long. We pulled up along the thing, and I specifically remember looking back, probably about midway where the box was. Like, I had to look back from the, the window to to look at the white squirrel before i lost visual contact of it it was just running around this thing there was no tree in that yard at any length mm, oh that's the yeah that's the real spooky stuff to me is like you see something and then you look back and as if it never happened or wasn't there uh, yeah, we got back it was just like that tree never existed man yeah that is crazy yes that is unsettling yeah i, I i'm always like I don't know what it is about the woods, but the woods, like, like supernatural stuff that happens in like the wooded areas always like fascinates me the most. Just like strange things, I guess. Um, Ted, you were showing me about like those stairs to nowhere. Do you remember that a while back? Yeah. Yeah. Dean, do you know about this? Have you heard about this? Yeah, I have heard about this. It's like a, uh, let me, let me pull up a picture to remind myself, but it is a, it's like a weird I can't remember if it's like a it was it was it like an art piece or was it No we don't. it's uh it's almost like a proto uh what's that fucking backrooms kind of deal. Right. Right, right, right. It's almost like that. Like it had like so it started out as a creepy pasta as far as mm -hmm. I understand, where yeah. it was just like, Oh, I'm a park ranger and we've got this stuff where uh, whenever you get so many miles away from the woods or from civilization into your area that you're patrolling, if you ever come across just a random vacant stairwell in the woods that goes to nowhere, that's just the stairs and there's nothing else there, you just leave it alone, call it in, let people know it's there, but don't go up it or something might happen and then the lore kind of built on it around yes that. i'm fine okay i like found the back the, rooms i found the picture that i saw of it a while back which is the it's it's like a concrete staircase it's a legit 
staircase. It's got sides and it ends at a wall. Like it's yeah, not, yeah. It, it's, it's not like a, uh, it's not like floating steps or like a deck. It's, That's it's the image that they're using though. Yeah. But it's almost, it, it's its own creepypasta. And there's a few different stories from what I remember, but yeah, there's, so this is how YouTube works. All right. There's, there's three or four staircase in the woods, uh, stories on Reddit or X or whatever on uh, 4chan. Uh, so there's going to be 300 YouTube videos. Yeah. Right. About those yes. four stories. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's how it worked, and then eventually it kind of got its own lore, and people were talking about how what some bad thing might happen whenever you get to the top of the staircase, and then somebody will randomly die in the area. It's just real weird. That is. I think it's there's a thing that I've been noticing with creepy pastas, and that one it sounded eerie enough to where it could be its own paranormal thing like oh just a a mysterious structure in an area that's there one day and not there another because that that kind of stuff has been written about in like anecdotes it's not that out of the scope of the paranormal so it's believable uh but whenever it started adopting its own lore like a lot of crop creepypastas do almost like the scpification of the stairwell in the woods just in a lower scale oh god i bet they gave it i bet they gave it a number no, it it didn't get nearly as bad as uh, the backrooms. The backrooms basically became SCP two, but you know, for for autists. Yes. Right. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I see the backrooms everywhere. Like that's yeah. like everywhere now. Yeah. Now there's like you know how many thousands of levels to the backroom, and there's right. It's yeah, just why. Yeah. And it kind of sucks because the original video is so cool. I mean, the original uh, creepypasta for the fucking uh, backrooms, good. It was just that one picture, mm-hmm. and oh, you, I'm not a fucking uh, holographic Earth person, but or holographic universe person. But they were, it was cool. It was like, oh shit, mm-hmm. what if this is real? Yeah, yeah. I, the, I, I miss it. I don't know. I, I haven't kept up with creepypastas like in in a while, but uh, like I don't know if they're still as good as like I remember them being. You know, maybe that's just like mm, uh, I'm gonna uh, guess uh, the answer is no. The trend yeah. is if there's a good creepypasta, it's going to get SCPified, and then it's gonna become mm. its own lore and its own gotcha. entity. Ugh, and right. It's 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 something. Yeah. Now. Yeah, then they, yeah. Then, like so they if people like it, they'll that. attach to it and then write their own fan fiction around it. Which I don't, oh, I here's the thing. It's like a modern version of Lovecraft, right? Where where Lovecraft, like, didn't copyright anything. He basically told all his friends, yeah. hey, if you want to write a story that deals with the, the, the unexplained creatures beyond, out of the eons of time, then mm-hmm. do it. Have fun with it. Write whatever you want. And that's yeah. cool, except when every idiot on the internet can take part in it it gets watered down really fast yeah 90 percent of it becomes trash it becomes less mysterious and more oh look how deep this goes right yeah i was good whenever it wasn't i don't know about you but i was good when it wasn't when it was just one cool thing it's allowed to just be one cool thing it's not a creepy pasta anymore it's a crazy Creepy gar- garbon garbanzola. What's that fucking? I don't know Italian words. It's some kind of fucking shit. Yeah, no, no. It's a, a pot lasagna. That's it. Oh, it's a creepy lasagna. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, we've been recording for three hours. 
Oh yeah, right. cool. I've also been uh, I've uh, LinkedIn. We told we told Steve we'd give him the four hour episode. I can't go oh, no. until midnight. yeah. No, I, uh, I, if you're serious, I just need a cigarette before we continue. <laughs> I desperately need nicotine. Um, we can take a break if people are fine with that. But I, I do want to say, um. I've been really disappointed, uh, like with analog horror recently, like new oh, yeah. analog horror. It's, it's shit the um, bed since fucking. Uh, I, yeah, I want to say since. Damn, what's that one that's actually halfway decent? There, there's a couple. There's the there's the one that's the one really popular one that's like supposed to be a, a news station or something. Uh, I can't Gemini remember. Gemini is yeah, the news. one that it started like once Gemini oh, made yeah. more than like four episodes, and they weren't. Isn't it great? They were just like, oh, cool. They're doing a thing too. Is Gemini is that, Channel 87, like, right? Oh, yeah, it's Channel 87. Thing too. Yeah. And then they started like mix, mix, mix and matching formats, like video formats. Like you'd have like a film reel going, but it's got the VHS time and date down in the fucking yeah. corner. And then it's got like Windows video editor font showing the chapters. It's like, what the fuck is going on? There was like a through four different medias before it was even, you know, on you. No, no, I just no. There was a uh, if if I recall correct, I can't. Was it Gemini that was doing the story about the the creatures that take over people's bodies? Oh, um, uh, yes. I, or was that Channel well, A Seven or Gemini? I can't remember. Gemini that. was the one where there was like an alien from outer space that was a yes. uh, plant like. Yeah, that was infesting it, people's bodies. It, it it kind of mimicked their bodies. Right. Yeah. Right. right, right yeah. I but do like the, also. I the, do like the story. The the story idea to that is terrifying to me. There was there was the Mandela catalog that that was the basis of it, which mm -hmm. the, the that's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking scary. of the Mandela of the Mandela catalog. I the think. execution on it is just so bad. That after the first one, I was like, "Oh, I'll, I hope this gets better." And then I saw the second one, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna nope out of this. It's, it's real bad." Oh yeah, yeah. There's I, also the I, uh, I, I was I was trying to think of it. There's the one, the Monument Mythos is another one. I kind of like yeah. the Monument Mythos though. I kind of liked Wait, it, but there was so one? much reading. And the Monument also, Mythos. The Monument Mythos is a like a, it's it's like a mixed media type of thing. But what they okay. do, one of the things they the 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 main thing is the there are these videos that tell the stories about these monuments how how basically the government is feeding people to the monuments like like yes. the Statue oh, of yes. Liberty yes. and like entities, yes. the monuments were built to contain entities right that they yes then feed for some reason mm -hmm. it's a <laughs> uh, it's a very cool little let me get a cigarette if y'all want to give Steve his yeah. four hours. Okay, right. I, I desperately need nicotine. I have school I tomorrow. I can't go for oh, another okay. hour. It's Halloween. <laughs> you can call out, bud. <laughs> I think I'm out of Dean, absences. If you, Dean, if you have to go, we, we can wrap soon. Uh, I, I don't want to like keep you up. We should wrap because I do have I do have to do I have to do reading before I actually go in tomorrow. So okay. I'm I'm gonna have a full morning before I actually have to go to school. Okay. All right. Because I didn't yeah, do my yeah. reading today. We might have to do a part two eventually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I say that, and that means it's not going to happen. That's how it works. I, <laughs> yeah. I like. I I I love this so far. Um, do you? Yeah. Okay, do you guys want to call it then? We can just call it. Uh, yeah, I think it's okay. Can, uh, yeah. Wait, Ted. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Like anything, just like short, you could throw in or any story, uh, any spooky stuff. 
So there was a guy from Kentucky. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> wow. I thought there once wow. was a man uh, from Nantucket. Yeah. No. <laughs> the SpongeBob one where the guy's like, "There once was a man from Kentucky." Oh and yeah. Like, they just fucking ejected him immediately. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. Well, that's a Halloween episode, guys. That is awesome. Yeah, guys. Uh, yeah. Ted plugs. Uh, the Gaslight Hour podcast, not the Gaslight podcast, not, uh, there's, there's a bunch of gassy podcasts for some reason. <laughs> I regret naming it that, but it's, it is what it is. Just look for the, uh, radio, uh, telescope. Yes. It looks like a satellite dish. Radio telescope does not mean that you look through it. Yeah. It's uh, just, it's yeah. a, it's, it's a big dish. The Gaslight Hour. I'm great. They're Fantastic Man, it is, I, I, I really do recommend the Holy Blood, Holy Grail episode. I fucking love that episode. I don't know what it is about it, but there's just something about that particular line of myth that, that just really hits me just right. I yeah, really also, like disclaimer, it. I was extremely hammered through that episode because I knew it was about history and the French. <laughs> <laughs> and you like, time to bring right. out old reliable and you grab your but, liquor. <laughs> yeah, I moderated that some bitch. <laughs> All that. right. Uh, uh Ted, where can they find your oh. Twitter? Oh yeah, uh, you have a Twitter. So the the Gaslight Hour is uh also just one word on Twitter. Uh if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's uh absurd r word like r as in retard. Mm-hmm. That r word. Uh if if you I I don't recommend it because most of the time I just retweet cats. He tweets about beans a lot. I I, I tweet about beans a lot now. Yeah. Uh because of you. Reminded yeah. me how much I used to tweet about beans, and I was like, "Yeah, those yeah. are the good old days." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Happy Halloween, everyone. Yeah. Happy, yeah. Happy Halloween. Wait, oh. It is Halloween. Holy shit! I, oh, do I gotta some, work I, today. I do have one thing to plug. Um, since it's Halloween now, um, where people listening to this will be listening on Halloween, um, I'm gonna say. Uh, I was invited on Timeline Earth Spooktacular, and I recorded about an hour there. So uh, after ah. you guys listen to this, go uh, hop over and listen to their uh, sure. Timeline Earth show. If you and, made it this uh, far, holy know. shit. If you <laughs> made it this far, you know. I was going to, I've been recording on my end the whole time, and I'm just looking at the length like, I don't have time to fix this. <laughs> I'm not fucking yeah. sending this to anybody. Oh, no, I've, so, I've got uh, good... I've got the whole call on my end. Yeah. All right, good. So it'll be all right. So yeah, um, Dean, plug uh, plug your stuff. Oh yes, uh, my buddy Pacing Joska, J O U S K A on Twitter. Um, hopefully won't be. Uh, oh, okay, he bounced. All right, hopefully won't yeah. be. Uh, hopefully won't be. Uh, sus now that Elon Musk is is running the website. Um, but I doubt yeah. that much is going to change. I really doubt that much yeah, is going to change. I don't think so. Um. But in any case, Pacing Joska, you can find over there, J-O-U-S-K-A, and uh, Dino Files on Alternative Internet Radio, A-I-R-A-D dot I-O. And, uh, of course, you know, the intro will say it, but T-E-T-C dot show for this show and other stuff. And uh, there will be links in the notes of this show to Gaslight Hour stuff and Ted's Twitter and all that. Yep. All right, guys. Uh, well, sleep tight. Don't let the sleep paralysis bite. Yeah. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of The End Times Continue. For links and other information, come see us at TETC.show.